waiting lists under control. David Cameron said the funds would be targeted at areas under most pressure, but doctors said the government was guilty of papering over the cracks. Businesses in Dunstable say the 11-week roadworks on Pointers Road are impacting on trade. Diversions have been in place since work began on July the 8th. Viv Innes says uh, customer numbers are right down at her hair salon. We're probably about 40% down. We feel that we've lost customers because they can't be bothered to be in in the traffic queues. We're probably um, the prospect of them not actually coming back. And today marks the 50th anniversary of the Great Train Robbery in Buckinghamshire. The robbers got away with over £2.5 million in cash, the equivalent of over £40 million today. After robbing the train, the gang of 15 led to a farm, fled to a farmhouse in Brill on the Buckinghamshire-Oxfordshire border. Retired policeman John Woolley was the first on the scene after the gang had fled. It wasn't the, the corn sack, the potato sack, that I perhaps half expected it might be, but it was in fact a canvas mailbag. And as the top flopped open, I could see parcel wrappers, banknote wrappers, consignment notes, all bearing the names of the famous high street banks. That was when it finally hit home. More on this coming up next with Ian Lee. In sport, cricketers from England and Australia have dismissed media reports that some players have been using special silicon tape on bats to prevent the detection of edges by the hotspot technology. Kevin Peterson says the suggestions are infuriating lies, while Australian batsman Steve Smith says none of the tourists have been using the tape. The weather, dry and fine, with a top temperature of 24 degrees Celsius, that's 75 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. Is everything okay? Everything's fine. It, it sounded like you broke the news and not in the good way. I did break it a little bit, but I don't think anyone noticed. Okay, use a bit of sticky tape and some spit and uh, hopefully 6.30, you think it will be all right? Fingers crossed. Nice one. Yo, 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 bum rush the show. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday! It's Thursday. And today we're off on a work trip to go and see the Alan Partridge film. I understand the irony of that. You don't have to spell it out. I know what we are, I know who I am, and I know where we're going. Can you answer that? Lots coming up on the show today, including... Why are we so fascinated with the great train robbery? Well, it's 50 years since the robbery took place. It took place in Buckinghamshire. But are we glorifying a crime and turning turning criminals into heroes? I don't get the fascination with it. Do you? Can you explain it to me? Plus, it's two years since riots swept through cities across England. At the time, the government said tough sentences would show there were consequences to disorder. Well, but we'll be looking at the case of one Luton man who was sentenced to 18 years in prison for his part. And do roadworks drive you mad? We speak to one Bedfordshire lady who wants compensation because her road will be closed for over two and a half months while it gets resurfaced. Is she just being a little bit greedy? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a phone call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey guys, happy Great Train Robbery Day.
What are you doing to celebrate the fact that a man was murdered and a train was robbed? Well, it is the 50th anniversary of the Great Train Robbery, where a 15-strong gang of robbers led by Bruce Reynolds attacked the Royal Mail train heading between Glasgow and London at a railway bridge in Leadburn in Buckinghamshire. The gang, which included Gordon Goody, Buster Edwards and Ronnie Biggs, used careful planning based on inside information from a person known only as the Ulsterman. And the robbers got away with over £2.6 million the equivalent of £46 million today. The bulk of the stolen money was never recovered. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been to Brill in Buckinghamshire. This is where the robbers used Leather Slade Farm as their hideout. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Have you spoken to anyone uh, who lived in the village in 1963 where the hideout was? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the robbers itself um, used Leather Slade Farm. That was 28 miles from where the robbery took place in Leadburn. And I went to, to Brill yesterday. It's, um, it's a tiny village. It's quite literally in the middle of nowhere. It's about 20 minutes away from Aylesbury. I found a few people who lived there back in 1963 uh, when the village erupted into chaos. And uh, here's a few people with their memories. Oh, my giddy aunt. Let me, where do I start? First of all, I knew there was something going on because there was commotion in the village and it's usually a quiet place. And then I, I got a rumour of what it was. And my son was a baby then. So what I did, being nosy-like, I put him in the pram and pushed him round the street to see what was going on. Mm. And it was all the helicopters and all the press outside the pub, the Sun Hotel it was then. And I don't know where the people came from. They were like flies and... and um, I was bemused, but very, very curious. <laughs> and in a bizarre twist of fate here, and, and this is a, an incredible story, your son is an actor, and he's been signed up to, to play a role in a story about the Great Train yeah, Robbery. Can you tell us more about that? I don't know what, what channel it's on, but it's, on, it's going to come on television. And who's he playing, do you know? He's, he's play, he played the man, the guy that should have set fire to Leatherslade. That's how they police caught him, them, because... He didn't. He did a runner, didn't he? Madam, you remember the police being in the village here back in, in August 63, but you actually went to, to Leatherslade Farm where the robbers were hiding out, of course, after they'd left. Can you tell us how that came about and how much you even paid to go and have a look? Well, we just heard that they were... It was... Um, the police had gone and everything had gone. My friend and I, I think we paid 25 pence now. We just went down and had a look and it was just an empty cottage. No money, couldn't find anything. <laughs> <laughs> so no money there. No money. I mean, how, how big was the cottage? Because it's no longer there, of course. It's been knocked down uh, where they were hiding out. I don't... I think we only went in a couple of bottom rooms. I suppose it's just two up, two down, like... So 25p, was well, it a waste was... of money? No, I don't think so. I'm talking to you now about it, aren't I? <laughs> That's very, very true. You see, look at that. History pays off. 50 years later, that young lady got a chance to speak to uh, Justin Dealey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's happened to the farmhouse in Brill that the robbers use? Is it still there? No, it's not there. But um, Well, the farm's still there, but um, the building they use, that that's uh, been knocked down. Now, the owner's in. Uh, they won't talk to us this morning, but I did talk to John Mole. He lives in Brill. His cousins, they own Leatherslade Farm. And he confirms that building is no longer there. That's right. It hasn't been there for at least 10 years. I I think that's when it was taken down, yes. And did they knock it down because so many people were still turning up to look at that building? I think so, yes. A lot of people, they've come round to to look at Leatherslade Farm because it's it's the history. Um, Anybody reading up about the train robbers will 
We'll see Leatherslade Farm. It's on the boundary of Brill and Oakley. And they'll just come and, oh, let's, let's have a little yeah. look. Yeah. I can understand why your cousin won't talk to us because they must get frustrated because we're talking about the 50th anniversary. But every single year, there must be people from right the way across the world that still come here to have a nose just to see, oh, is that where the robbers were? That's exactly right. That, that, they do come from all over the world. And it makes the news everywhere. People still remember the great train robbery. They still associate Leatherslade Farm. That is the place where they hid out. Um, the farm itself was sold about three or four times within the first two years after the robbery. Every one of the people who bought it dug up the garden looking for something. I don't get it. Why don't you get it? I don't get it. I don't get the fascination with the great, amazing train robbery. I think if you were there back in 1963, if you were alive in 63, everyone has got an interest. Just to give you an example of this, I went to Brill. I've never been there before, this tiny little village where it all happened back in 63. Now, when I said I was going there, my dad said to me, can I come with you? Because he remembers when it happened. He was abroad, he was on a, a trip with the scouts, and he saw this news flash on TV. And I think everyone at the time who, who knew about this, and, and let's face it, everyone did, it was just how big this was, how much money at that time they managed to get. £2.6 million, equivalent to £46 million today. It was the sheer size of this heist, and I think at the time as well, it took everybody by surprise. That's why there is still this fascination 50 years on. Could you do me a favour, Justin? Mm. Could you go and see if other people get it? I think they will. I, I Could, would you, would you mind will. asking them? Because I don't, I don't quite... I mean, I've, I met Bruce Reynolds. I had a very interesting evening with Bruce Reynolds once. <laughs> steady. Uh, yep. No, steady. I told you that in confidence. Yeah, OK, yep. Uh, uh, but I don't, I don't get... And th- there was a certain excitement that I was in the same room, you know, with a great train robber. But that was... I, I, I don't get it. Okay. Go well, and see what other people think. What I did this morning, I was certainly going to ask people what you've heard there again from John Mull that, that his cousin, uh, his cousin owns Leatherslade Farm. Still to this day, 50 years on, people from right the way across the world, they go there just to see where the great train robbers were, where that hideout was. There is still that fascination to millions of people right the way across the world. Thank you very much, Justin. Do you get it? Do you get the fascination with the great train robbery? Do you find it very exciting? Do you think those people uh, are kind of, I guess they were sort of seen as, as modern day Robin Hoods? Well, aren't they? 
Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. Do you get, in inverted commas, the great train robbery? I don't, I don't. Lots of people here are very excited. I was being scoffed at for not getting it. I don't, I don't, I just don't. 08459 455 555. 616, let's get the travel news now. Here's James Worley. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Well, the motorways aren't bad at all. As I check the cameras, the M1 moving nicely northbound up to Northamptonshire. London-bound seems fine on camera and no problems through the roadworks at the moment on the M25 between 23 South Mims and 25 Enfield. Uh, if you're heading on to the trains, generally a good service. We understand there are severe delays on the northbound northern line uh, in London heading up to East Finchley. Southbound, though, appears to be running well currently. I'm James Woolley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Go up to 6.17. It's Thursday the 8th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riots are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long sentence. A man from Boreham Wood has pleaded guilty to actual bodily harm and making threats to kill. In sport, Watford, Milton Keynes, Dons and Stevenage will be in this lunchtime's Capital One Cup second round draw after wins on Tuesday night. Coming up, two years since the riots. We'll hear about one man who is being sentenced to 18 years in prison. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Three Counties Radio, we're having an argument, like a proper sweary argument, 
Being paid for by your licence fee, I should add. About the colour of my shirt? It's so obviously brown. Everybody here is saying it's green. Lorna Hankin is uh, temporary... It's not green or brown. What? It's, it's, I don't know what colour that is. It is. is. I tell you why it's confusing you. Uh, A, because you're all idiots. B, because (laughs) it is corduroy. Ah. So the court. You. Sorry? I'll tell you why it's confusing yes. you. A, because it's green. Yeah. And B, because it's not brown. It, right, okay. Is it's. It not? Richard, we'll be with you in a second. I know we talk about something very important. We'll come to that in a second. But, but it is corduroy, and that is making your eyes kind of strobe a little bit and not see that it's brown. I mean, camouflage. It is brown. From here. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. We'll put a picture up on Facebook. You can join in the exciting debate. Now on to slightly more serious things. It's two years since riots swept uh, across cities in, across England. At the time, the government said tough sentences would show there were consequences to disorder. Well, Wayne Collins, twenty-five, a barber from Luton, is now serving an eighteen-year sentence for his part in the Birmingham disorders. He was imprisoned under the controversial law of joint enterprise. His family and lawyers were shocked by the 18-year conviction and are now appealing against the length of his sentence in the High Court. Well, our reporter Richard Williams has been looking into this case. Now, Richard, obviously a lot of people will remember the riots. We had incidents here in the three counties. But for those who don't know Wayne Collin Taylor's uh, story, just give us a little background on that. Yeah, well, Wayne Collins Taylor lived in Luton and on the night of the 7th of August 2011, he travelled Birmingham to meet a friend that he'd met on holiday in Ironapa. Now, the incidents relating to Wayne Collins' case are eventually on the uh, 9th of August uh, when he was actually outside the Barton Arms pub. Now at that time it was around midnight there was a group of around 26 men. Now these men were in a building uh, outside the Barton Arms and they actually attacked the uh, pub where they smashed it up. They were ransacking the premises and petrol bombs were actually thrown inside the building to start a fire. Now at the time in the building there was actually four people upstairs who were actually getting ready to bed. Now it's said in the prosecution at the time that the fire was actually started at the pub to actually lure police to the scene. Now, shortly after that, the group of 26 men met up with other men, so then there was around 40 men at that time. Now, after the police turned up at the scene, a number of shots were fired at police officers, uh, and the forensics evidence at the time shows that there was at least four guns used out. They found that out from recovering casings from the scene at the time. There was a police helicopter over the uh, scene at the time as well, and that was actually shot at. Okay, so, so a very nasty incident. What part did Wayne Collins play? Well, and what we do know is, and what isn't beyond question is Wayne Collins was actually outside the Barton Arms and that is prosecution agrees with that and the defence actually accepts that as well he was there with a friend outside the pub now you have to imagine this incident happened very very quickly it was Mm. over in a matter of about six minutes and at that time between the shooting and the crowd running away Wayne was actually in that crowd and started running Now, what the prosecution said is his association with two of the defendants who were actually part of that group, one of them actually went on to be convicted of one of the shootings, Uh, Wayne's association with them was enough to get him convicted and sentenced to 18 years. What the prosecution says, well, because they'd actually tracked the phone records of Wayne Collins, they said that he'd met them people earlier in the day, Mm. and by the fact he'd had a conversation with them on the phone, they inferred that he knew that that person 
would have had a gun and he planned to use it. Wayne was sentenced to 18 years, a long time. Why was it so severe? Well, Wayne Collins Taylor, he was sentenced actually on three counts. He got 18 years for possession of a firearm with intent to endanger life. He got six years for the rioting and he got six years for the arson offence. The six years for the arson offence because of the severity because there was four people upstairs at the time. Now, what surprised many people about this case is, including his family and the solicitors and a number of people um, in terms of the local MP, Kelvin Hopkins as well, is the length of the sentence because Wayne was convicted under this controversial law of joint enterprise. What you have to remember is, although he got convicted of possession of a firearm, what's clear is he never actually held the firearm, he never actually fired it, he also never threw anything into the pub, he was never active in any of the events Mm. outside the arms. And actually the judge in his summing up actually uh, made reference directly to this. What the judge actually said was, although you played no active role in the events of the Barton Arms that evening, your presence there as part of the group encouraged others. What effect has this had on him and his family? Well, I first met Wayne's aunt back in May uh, in Luton and she was in the town centre canvassing for a petition as she does on many occasions trying to get signatures to raise the plight of Wayne's case. And what she said to me was that the two years on prison that he's had in prison has had a severe effect on him. His whole character's changed. His perception of the UK justice system's changed. His understanding of what freedom is all about and how just being in the wrong place at the wrong time and also just meeting the wrong person at the wrong time could have such an impact on one's life. I've not heard of this uh, law of joint enterprise before. What is that? Yes, it's a, a quite a controversial law. Really. It's been around for about 300 years. It actually dates back to when people used to do duelling and what was happening if someone lost a duel, they would allow them to be actually other people who were part of the group, the doctors, the people behind it, they would actually be also prosecuted as well. Now, there's also a very famous case in 1952, which a lot of people know about, about Derek Bentley. Mm. This was a case where a man was with a 16-year-old juvenile and he said to the juvenile who was holding a shotgun, let him have it to a police officer. That 16-year-old fired the gun at the police officer and eventually the, the gentleman, Derek Bentley, he actually went to the gallows for that. He said, let him have it. The prosecution said they meant to shoot him. He actually says he meant let him have it in terms of the gun. So this law has been um, a, a law which has attracted a lot of controversy. Really, the test of joint enterprise is it joins down to foresight. If someone is in a group, do they have, the, do they have knowledge, the people in the group, about what they're going to do? So if they go on and commit a serious crime, did they know that that person was going to do it? If the prosecution can prove they did, then they can be contradicted, contra- uh, convicted under the law of joint enterprise. Whatever his family doing, I'd imagine they're, they're, they're busy trying to get some change done. Well, yeah, since uh, Wayne Collins Taylor has been convicted, his family have campaigned to get his case looked at, and a petition of nearly 10,000 signatures has been gathered. And Debbie Taylor, his aunt, told me why it's important to keep raising awareness of his nephew's case. Because every weekend they're out gaining more signatures and just really keeping people informed and kind of raising awareness of that this could happen to anybody at any time this if you're put into a situation like this and what would you do so gaining that raising that awareness and gaining support locally from the communities in Luton Dunstable and surrounding areas has been fantastic That was Wayne's aunt talking there. And also recently, local MP Kelvin Hopkins is back the campaign. He's written to the Justice Secretary and will raise the case in the Commons soon. Fascinating stuff, Richards Williams. Thank you very much indeed. Well, later on in the programme, we'll be speaking to Dr Andrew Green, an expert in the law of joint enterprise. And uh, after eight o'clock, we'll hear from the lawyer representing Wayne Collins-Taylor in the Court of Appeal. 08459 455555. 629 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel, shall we? (laughs) 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, no delays that I can see on the M25 as yet. The M1 and the M40 are running well as well. Roadwork's not causing any hold-ups, but don't forget that through Ivor Heath, the A412, this is Church Road, is closed off between Thornbridge Road and Slough Road at the Five Points Roundabout. It will be until the end of the month with a diversion via Bangers Road North and the A4007 Slough Bangers, Road. Bangers Road. Bangers Road, I know. Bangers. And I'm Matt. so sorry. It's all right, it's all right. Um, and the A40 in Stoke and Church, temporary lights up on the Wickham Road for roadworks for another couple of days. As for the trains, no late runners that I can see, but if you're heading for London, the Northern Line tube running with severe delays. It's mainly on the northbound side, up toward Golders Green and East Finchley, because of a signal failure much further down the line at Morden earlier this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. And again, once again, apologies for... Um, bang! Bangers. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the 6.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riots are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long sentence. A man from Boreham Wood has pleaded guilty to actual bodily harm and making threats to kill. And today marks the 50th anniversary of the great train robbery which happened at Leadbourne, uh, sorry, Leadburn near Mentmore in Buckinghamshire. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford, Milton Keynes, Dons and Stevenage will be in this lunchtime's Capital One Cup second round draw after wins on Tuesday night. Premier League clubs not involved in European competition enter the League Cup draw today. Watford manager Gianfranco Zola says it's a competition his squad should focus on. They need to take uh, this game seriously because they will give them, these games will give them the opportunity to play and to show themselves uh, in the future So during, during the season. So it's important. The English and Welsh Cricket Board have asked Australian broadcaster Channel 9 for an apology after they accused batsmen of using silicon tape to try to trick the decision review system during the Ashes. Batsman Kevin Peterson yesterday called the suggestions hurtful lies. Meanwhile, there was an extraordinary T20 quarter-final last night as Holders Hampshire beat Lancashire by one run to reach finals day. Michael Carberry scored a century as Hampshire posted 202 for three. Uh, Lancashire then needed four off the final ball but could only manage two as they fell just short on 201 for four. After winning Wimbledon last month, Andy Murray made a successful return to competitive tennis with a straight sex victory at the Montreal Masters. He beat Marcel Grenoyer at 6-4, 7-6 and admitted to a few nerves before the match. I was pretty nervous before the match, uh, which was a good sign. I was happy that I was I was nervous because you know a little bit after the US Open last year I kind of felt almost no pressure um, in a way and it, it wasn't that easy I wasn't used to going to matches like that so it was nice to have the nerves there but it was it was tricky it was so windy today very tough conditions and all the players have been struggling a bit so I was just happy to get through it and that's your latest news and sports I'll be back with more at seven o'clock what colour is my shirt I didn't notice what colour it was sorry um I don't know I was so entranced by your face no that's not the right thing to say is it right I'm going to play a song I'm going to come up <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want you to look at my shirt and really study okay. it. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right.
Three Counties Radio. If you go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, you can see my brown shirt. It's been confirmed by everybody upstairs in the office. It's brown. You can also uh, tell me, do you get the great train robbery? We're celebrating. Celebrating? We're, we're talking about it because it's 50 years to the day. And I don't get it. I don't get what the fascination is with it. A man was murdered. You know, are they seen as working-class heroes, Robin Hoods? 08459 455555. Now, speaking of trains, but not robberies, if you get a train from the three counties into London, you might be interested to know that this month a number of peak-time trains will be operating with fewer carriages. It's so 61 new train drivers can be trained, but will this mean commuters will face cramped conditions in the meantime? Oh, we can speak to uh, London Midlands Head of Communications, Francis Thomas. Morning, Francis. How many trains are we talking about here? Well, we've tried to make sure that it's no more than two trains in the peak in each direction, so from the three counties area into London or vice versa. As you said, we're at record numbers in terms of recruiting drivers. Our business is growing. We know we need more drivers. Our passengers need more drivers to make the service more reliable. The only way you can do that, the drivers need to learn about the trains they're going to be responsible for so they can give a good service to our customers. So we've chosen the quietest time of the year to take some carriages off just a few trains so that we can do that that 
most important. How much shorter will these? How much shorter will these trains be? As possible. How much shorter will these trains be? Well, you know, the route we're talking about typically have about five trains an hour in, in our turn from the capital. They have uh, normal uh, formations of 12 or 8 carriages, and we're, we're taking four carriages off those trains. Oh, so, so you're, in some cases, you're halving the length of the train. That seems pretty excessive. I know you say it's a quieter time, but it, it's still peak time. It's still, they're still pretty cramped as they are. And, and nobody likes to inconvenience our customers. That's why so why are you doing it at peak time? time of the year. The alternative, Ian, would be to, to look at other routes where you only have four carriage trains, and then you'd be taking off a whole service. But why are you doing them at, not an option. Why are you doing them at peak time? Because those trains run right through the day, of course. You know, you, you don't, once, once you start the service first thing in the morning and colleagues have been up all night preparing those trains to get people on their journeys this morning, once they start, you can't just take a train out of service halfway through the day. Well, he, he, there's, there's two obvious things that could be done to make things a little bit easier for commuters who, who, who suffer enough as it is. You could not do that at peak time and, and spread the, uh, the, the, the bringing the new drivers in. Bringing in 61 drivers all in one go seems a little bit silly, doesn't it? Well... Unfortunately, we lost an awful lot of drivers about nine months ago, and it takes a year to train drivers. So we, we had to make the conscious decision around about December of last year to do a big, big recruitment drive for a variety well, of reasons. Well, spread it out, though. Doing 61 drivers all in one go seems a little bit silly, doesn't it, if it's going to inconvenience passengers who are already having a bit of a rotten I, time. I, I, I see your point. We're not training all 61 drivers this, this month. But because we've got so many more drivers to train than usual, it does mean that we are taking the step this month and we've had to plan it and, and think about what's the quietest time because this is a huge peak in recruitment that we're going through. It, it's an unusual step for the unusual situation that we're in of having to recruit so many drivers in a single year. Are you going to apologise to passengers? Well, we did say in, in the statement that we issued yesterday that we regret having to do this. Well, are you going to say sorry to passengers? Know, passengers do... Uh, they, they, they are very tolerant with us when we have services. Uh, are you going to say sorry to passengers? We've had a lot of that in the last few weeks with things Hello? like cows on the line. So Hello? our passengers are very good with us. Are you going to say sorry to passengers? If, if I haven't made that clear, I, I'll repeat it again. We, we said yesterday we regret it. We are sorry. No, you, but it. that's it. You, you said you regret it. But are you going to say sorry to passengers for the inconvenience? Sorry, and I did. I did just say that. I said. No, you said you regret it. You, and then uh, I said, and I'll repeat it again. We are sorry to our passengers. There we go. When we, when we cause inconvenience, it was part of the same sentence, but perhaps you didn't hear me. You didn't say sorry the first time, Francis. You, you said you regretted it, which, which, which is a completely different thing. Uh, and I'm assuming that passengers uh, will be getting some form of compensation, will they? Well, obviously, when you, when you travel on a commuter route, standing is part of the experience from time to time. Well, it shouldn't be, should it? Well, I don't know of any commuter route that I that I've come across anywhere in the well, world but, where it isn't part of that. But if it's part of the, if standing is part of the ride already, you're going to make it considerably worse by removing half of the carriages on a train. So you would you would like to think that the passengers who pay your wages who are being inconvenienced will receive some form of compensation for or <laughs> having a journey for having a journey where they already have to stand made even worse. What we'll do is we'll we'll monitor those trains this month. If we find that there are that that's, you know it, it, it's becoming worse than people would perhaps normally experience, if it, if, it, if it's not the normal experience that people would have travelling on those routes, then we'll keep that under review. 
correct, but there, there's no plans to... to there's no plans uh, to offer any compensation to the passengers who will be suffering even more. Francis Thomas, uh, London Midlands Telecommunications, thank you very much. Well, listening to that is Rob Middleton, uh, who regularly commutes into London. Rob, you, you heard what Francis had to say. What's your reaction? Oh, it's a lot of rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> I think you put it just uh, you put it just right. I think it's just another hardship and a long list of hardships for the hard-pressed commuter. I think if they've decided to make this ill-judged move, then they need to compensate us. You know, if we're, if we're going to be even less likely to be able to get a seat on the train, then I think um, we need to give us some f- free travel. That was something which they, de- they did at the end of the last year when they had really poor service. They gave us five free days of service to compensate us for the inconvenience. I think this is something that they can do now. Well, Rob, you've heard from the head of communications that standing is part of, uh, of a journey anyway. I don't think it necessarily should be, but it, but it <laughs> is anyway. And they will review whether compensation is required. Oh, well, that's just a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? I, you know, there's nothing's going to happen there. They'll just hopefully kick it into the long grass, and it's just going to be just another hardship that we'll have to put up with. I think if they're going to inconvenience us, they're going to say that we're going to be crammed onto the trains like it, more like a sardine than we usually are, then they need to offer us some financial compensation. It's not a train, ru- a train route I use particularly often. What's it like normally, Rob? No, it's, it's awful. It's awful on peak trains. It's awful on the off-peak trains. You know, you, you try to dodge the, the you try to dodge the um, the number of passengers, but it's impossible. You get halfway through the journey, and there's people crammed on, um, and it's it's. You just think about how much it costs now to travel. Um, my girlfriend, she commutes down as well. She's got a season ticket. She's a captive audience, and she pays over five thousand pounds a year now. And all she wants is to get a seat and to have a timely service. And this is going to make it even worse for her. It, it, it will be worth it in the long run, though, won't it? 61 new drivers coming in. Well, that's fine, but I think there must be a better way to do it. Um, and I just think I don't understand why they have to do it on peak trains. I think, you know, the, these train operating companies, they're making enough money, they're making enough profits, they've got a captive audience. Surely they'll be able to get their heads together, get some of these highly paid executives to work out a better way of doing it, other than saying to commuters who are paying vast amounts of money each and every year to them, oh, well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to stand, you're going to have to have someone else's armpit in your face. I think we're just fed up of it. I, I, I should flag up, uh, Rob, in the sense of uh, fairness, that you are a Labour councillor. Have you got an agenda th- with with the train company here? Well, we have an agenda that um, Wolverton, the, the area which I represent, um, has a train station, and my mailbag is full is filled um, full of complaints each and every month from uh, commuters who just want an improved service. And the problem is is that I think London Midling just take for granted um, the commuters because they know that they've got a monopoly on that route. And if they're going to make it worse for the commuters, then they need to pay us some compensation. That's something which happened towards the end of last year. They gave us uh, five free days um, travel, and I think that's something they should do now. I know that that's something that's going to be filling my mailbag in months to come from hard-pressed commuters in Wolverton. We just heard uh, from Francis Thomas, London Midlands Head of Communications. Were you satisfied with the apology he gave to uh, oh, his, his no. passengers? <laughs> you had to tease that one out of him, didn't you? I think that's the problem with these these high-paid executives. They, they, they're quite happy to sit in the boardroom and make this decision, which is going to make it even harder for commuters to get to work um, on a daily basis. But when it comes to apologising, they're pretty reluctant, aren't they? And I'm, I'm happy you went and pushed him on that one, because at least now I can tell the people who are going to write to me and complain that 
he did apologise after the fifth attempt, I think it was. <laughs> Rob, thank you very much. We'll end it there. Rob Middleton, uh, who regularly commutes into London, if this route affects you, what do you think? Good news, bad news? 08459 555555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.46. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise is currently blocked. Stationary traffic because of a vehicle fire between Junction 25 at Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar. Traffic is being held right now and obviously queues are building. The A1 into London looking slow southbound through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Apex Corner. Works in Great Missenden, Martins End Lane, the A4128. There are temporary traffic lights for electricity work between the High Street and Upper Hollis. And if you're driving into Bedford, Goldington Road, the A4280. Temporary traffic lights up round Brookfield Road through the rest of today for roadworks there. They should be finished and moved out of the way by tomorrow. Trains and tubes running pretty well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.47, it is uh, Thursday the 8th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riots are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long sentence. 50 years after the great train robbery at Leban near Mentmore, the Buckinghamshire Constabulary, Constabulary officers involved have received special commendations. In sport, Watford, Milton Keynes, Dons and Stevenage will be in this lunchtime's Capital One Cup second round draw after wins on Tuesday night. Coming up, man, have you seen the roadworks in Pointers Road in Dunstable? It's mayhem over there. It's literal insanity. We'll be talking about that after the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Nice shirt today, and I've seen the photo. It's brown, isn't it? No, I think it's khaki. Mm. Well, hang I don't on. say that's an Italian because it's a bit of a rude word. <laughs> what, what does khaki mean to an well, Italian? You can look it up. <laughs> Is it really rude? No, it's not really rude. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, it, but, but you're wrong, it's brown. Let's see if you can get the weather right, shall we? Oi, thank you. All right, well, it's a cool, chillyish start to the day, actually. We've seen temperatures drop to single figures overnight away from the major town. So we've got sort of seven degrees, actually, at the moment, just outside at Milton Keynes. Those temperatures are going to rise nicely in the sunshine. Lots of that through this morning into this afternoon, though. We're going to see more cloud bubble up here and there. And we could see some of that cloud just produce an, the odd light shower or two. But look, most places are going to stay dry. It will be another fairly pleasant day with temperatures up to 22 or 23 degrees Celsius quite widely across the three counties. Find a sunny spot, nice and pleasant with just light winds. Overnight tonight, dry for the first half of the night. We will see some outbreaks of rain head towards us by the time we get to dawn tomorrow. A milder night, temperatures drop into 14 or 15 degrees Celsius. You will want to watch out for a few showers around tomorrow morning we should see some sunny spells into the afternoon turning a bit breezier as we head towards the weekend saturday dry and fine sunday some rain on the way albeit quite light that's the forecast thank you very much it's brown Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. I love 
the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. If I lived with Joni Mitchell in the mid to late 60s, smoked a load of pot and uh, had a cat, I'd write a song like this. I'll light the fire You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today Staring at the fire for hours and hours while I listen to you play your love songs all night long. say roadworks in Dunstable have badly affected their business. The Pointers Road Repairs have closed the whole road for over two and a half months, meaning businesses and houses can't be accessed at all easily. Well, our reporter Sophie Solaria went to meet site manager Ben Gadsby, who showed her the project one month on. So we're on Pointers Road now, Ben. Yeah. The work seems to be getting done. There's a lot of uh, disruption in terms of the road being dug up. Yep. What stage is this? This is the most critical phase of the works where we do the deep in situ recycling. The phase we're looking at at the moment is the planing. So we're planing the existing surface course or bituminous layers to get down to the subgrade layer. How did it get this bad, this road? Why does it need such extensive work on it? 
Uh, Pointless Road's been through some cyclic maintenance for the last sort of 10 years, uh, with the most recent being six years ago. Due to damaged subgrade layers, it's now necessary to reconstruct the road entirely. But in essence, was it left to get pretty bad and that's why so much work had to be done? The idea is that we waited for the scheme to get into a state where we could do it all in one go. So the scheme that we're building now shouldn't require maintenance for the next 20 years. Why did it get to this level that we had to do 11 weeks work and not just maybe a week's work if it had been maintained throughout the years? At some point this road would always have had to have this level of maintenance. So there's only so many times you can patch something up before eventually you have to repair it. I've just come into the Pointers Arms to meet uh, some of the lovely staff here. Suzanne, your drinking establishment is on Pointers Road. Yes, it is. And you're directly opposite the roadworks, and actually one of your accesses has been blocked off. How has it affected business? It's been difficult getting taxis up to pick customers up. That's been a setback. But I think the good weather has meant that people don't mind walking over. If it was raining, I think it would have been a totally different scenario. Now imagine if tomorrow it starts raining. For the next seven weeks it rains. What do you think will happen? I think that will severely affect us because people won't want to walk over. They'll want to drive over. And that means that getting up and down the road, they're not going to want to do it. They're not going to want the wear and tear to their car because of the road works. Does that worry you? Yes. I've just come into Margaret Inn's hairdresser's um, hair and beauty boutique on Pointers Road. I co-own the shop with my daughter Lauren. And um, yes, as you can see, we're quite empty. Quite empty. There's not a single person in your shop. There's a lot of empty chairs. Uh, yeah, we have been um, quite um, badly affected. I'd say we're probably about 40% down. Um, obviously, we've got no footfall cost customers. And obviously, we do get quite a lot of people stop, pick up price lists. We feel that we've lost customers because they can't be bothered to be in the, in the traffic queues. We're probably um, the prospect for them not actually coming back. Well, Central Beds couldn't put anyone up to speak to us this morning, but they've told us this. Whilst everyone appreciates the work needs to be done, we're acutely aware... I'm not reading all of it. It's way too long. I read bits of it. It's too long. If you can't be bothered... Listen, if you can't be bothered to come on, don't send me a ridiculously long statement, because I'm going to pick and choose the bits I read from it, all right? Central Beds Council, who couldn't be bothered to give us anybody to speak to this morning, said, Whilst everyone appreciates the work needs to be done, we're acutely aware of the disruption. We took care to schedule the majority of works for the summer holiday period when the roads are quieter and we've completed the improvements to Boscombe Road ahead of this to try and keep traffic flowing more smoothly. Meanwhile, with regards to the tax rebate, Luton Borough Council have told us... The diversions are in place. Send someone on the phone to talk so we can talk to you about it. The diversions are in place to help reduce the impact of the work being carried out. Uh, there is likely to be extra traffic on nearby roads. There are no plans to war compensation. Right, there we go. Well, it's not just businesses who've been affected by the work. The traffic has had a knock-on effect for people on Lewis Road in Luton, which has consequently been used as a through road. We'll hear from them a little bit later on. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. We're talking about the great train robbery today. 50 years to the day since it happened. I don't get the fascination with the Great Train Robbery. Some members of my team do. Some of the less informed members of my team do. People like that um, Grease Monkey Justin Dealey, um, uh, Kelly Baird, even Richard Williams, who's a very sensible reporter. I was very surprised. He's excited by the, the thought of the Great Train Robbery. I don't get it. Am I missing something here? Am I missing something? 
08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I don't get the fascination with the great train robbery. What's so exciting about it? What? Why? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You could send me a cheeky text as well, not too cheeky. Oh, 81333. Start your text to 3CR. And if you also want to take part in the great shirt robbery, then you can also go to Facebook. It's a brown sh- It's a brown shirt. It's so obviously a brown shirt. There's nothing green about it in the slightest. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 anti-clockwise is blocked. Stationary traffic following a lorry fire between Enfield at Junction 25 and Potter's Bar at Junction 24. All the traffic being held while the fire brigade attend to a petrol tanker which is on fire. This means that the anti-clockwise entry slip is closed at Junction 25 from the A10 and clockwise past the scene from Potter's Bar to Enfield is looking very slow as well. If you're heading into London, the A1 looking busy in Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. Roadworks in Eaton Bray, Ignealed Way, the B489. You have works taking place at the junction with Main Road North, the A4146. And the works continue in Dunstable on Pointers Road. It's still shut for major reconstruction works and will be through until mid-September between the A505 at the Tesco Roundabout and Wheatfield Road at the Woodside Industrial Estate. Diversion down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Just had a, a, a tweet about the great train robbers. Ian, you're right about the great train robbers. Bunch of naughty men. He's used different word for that, but I think he's right. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, family demands justice for Luton rioter, doctors welcome A&E plans and train robbery police officers honoured. BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riots are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long sentence. Police connected Wayne Collins-Taylor with a group of men who started a fire at the Barton Arms pub in 2011. The following year, he was sentenced to 18 years under joint enterprise legislation. He's already served two years, which his aunt, Debbie Taylor, says has made a significant impact. His whole character's changed. His perception of the UK justice system's changed. His understanding of what freedom is all about and how just being in the wrong place at the wrong time and also just meeting the wrong person at the wrong time could have such an impact on one's life. More on this coming up in the next half hour with Ian Lee. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. £500 million will be spent over the next two years in an effort to cut delays at A&E and improve services in other areas. The Labour health spokesman, Lord Philip Hunt, said it's too little, too late. We need to make sure capacity in A&E is up to scratch. We've got to get qualified nurses back onto the wards. We've seen a reduction in the last three years that can't be right and of course social services needs to develop their capacity again they need to be able to support frail older people when they've been discharged from hospital 
Inspectors say UK border staff based in France are failing to take the fingerprints of thousands of illegal immigrants caught trying to enter Britain. The discovery was made during an inspection of border controls at key routes between continental Europe and the UK. Fifty years after the great train robbery at Leadburn near Mentmore, the Buckinghamshire Constabulary Officers involved have received special commendations. The Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police created the one-off awards to mark the 50th anniversary of the crime. PC John Woolley, who discovered the gang's hideout, and Aylesbury Detective Keith Milner were among the officers honoured at a ceremony last night. Businesses in Dunstable say the 11-week roadworks on Pointers Road are impacting on trade. Diversions have been in place since work began on July the 8th. Viv Inn says the customer numbers are right down at her hair salon. We're probably about 40% down. We feel that we've lost customers because they can't be bothered to be in the, in the traffic queues. We're probably um, the prospect of them not actually coming back. In sport, the Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers has promised strong and decisive action over what he calls the total disrespect shown to the club by Luis Suarez. The strikers accused Liverpool of failing to honour an agreement that he could leave the club if it didn't qualify for the Champions League. But Rodgers says no promises were made and none broken. The weather dry and fine with a top temperature of 24 degrees Celsius, that's 75 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Excuse me. Did you say... (laughs) You said a little bit of Northern came out there. Oh, really? Well, numbers at her hairdresser, read only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Northern, was it? Were you doing a voice there? <laughs> Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven, it's Thursday, it's the 8th of August. We're going for a little works trip after this. Don't say it too loudly, some people haven't been invited. Some people haven't been invited. Catherine Boyle. Lots coming up on today's programme. The Great Train Robbery. Why or are we fascinated by it? 50 years since the Great Train Robbery took place. (laughs) Oh, Catherine sent me a very rude message. I'm tempted to read it. The heist took place in Buckinghamshire, so that's why we're talking about it today. But really, should we be giving it that much attention? There's already been a few comments on Facebook saying, no, it's only the media that perpetuates the story. The Prime Minister is announcing extra money for hospital A&E departments in England. £500 million will be made available spread over the next two years and will include £15 million for the troubled 111 phone service. Well, is that going to be enough to save it? More on that in the next hour. And roadworks, 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 roadworks. Are they driving you mad? We speak to one Bedfordshire lady who wants compensation because her road will be closed for over two and a half months while it gets resurfaced. Should she expect compensation? Or should she be grateful the council are actually doing something? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333, start your text 3CR. Oh, you've been a little bit quiet on the phones, don't be shy. 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Today, hey, happy Great Train Robbery Day, guys. It's the 50th anniversary of the Great Train Robbery in Buckinghamshire. It's been the subject of books, films, TV programmes and dubbed one of the greatest crimes of the 20th century. Greatest in what sense? Well, our reporter Tony Fisher is by the bridge where it all happened. Good morning, Tony. 
Morning, Ian. You're, you're coming live from the bridge where it all happened. Are you are you getting a sense of, of uh, the history by being stood there? I, I'm not getting a sense of deja vu, no, because it was quite a long time ago. And um, I'm standing by the bridge in a, in a little field. A lovely morning, Ian. Uh, the sun coming up over the railway line. It's G- gorgeous. Give us a little background to this case. Well, 50 years ago today, moonlit morning, uh, the uh, the train was coming down the tracks in, about half a mile from where I'm standing now, coming down from Glasgow to Euston, high-value goods train, and uh, the train robbers stopped the train at a place called Sears Crossing, as I say, half a mile down the tracks. They couldn't unload anything there, so they had to bring the train to the point where I am now. Um, so what they did is they put a little leather glove over the green signal, stopped the train, and um, forced their way into the engine. The train driver, Jack Mills, put up quite a big defence of his cab and was unfortunately rendered unconscious. Now, the gang had had the foresight to bring along with them their own train driver to bring the train to this point here at Bridego Bridge uh, near Cheddington, um, but he couldn't start the train, so they had to get the existing train driver, Jack Mills, who'd been unconscious. They had to force him to bring the train down here, having uncoupled the two important carriages behind the main engine, which had all the money in it, and they uncoupled those carriages without amazingly alerting anyone else on on the rest of the train and they brought the train down to the point where I am now, Bridego Bridge, and uh, the, the, the train robber, the leader of the gang, the late Bruce Reynolds, uh, this is him describing in his own words what happened. We waited while we saw silhouetted against the night sky. Uh, the train heard all the clankings that were going on while it was being uncoupled. And finally... Very, very slowly, but inexorably, it pulled away from uh, the rest of the train, the loco and two carriages, and with that, we drove to the next uh, stop, which was Brittigone Bridge, and there the assault took place. What happened at the bridge after the train stopped, Tony? Um, well, Ian, interesting, Thames Valley Police are doing a live tweet of what, what their police logs said. So you can have a look at that uh, on, on their police website, the Thames Valley Police website. But it, as you say, it's here at Bridego Bridge where they stopped the train, they stopped the engine over the bridge. The two important carriages behind overlooked the accessible embankment and the robbers forced their way into the high-value package coach. They then made a human chain past the sacks of money, which weighed two and a half tonnes in total, down the embankment into waiting lorries and vehicles. Uh, And uh, it was a grand total of just over £2.6 million, around £46 million in today's money. Uh, And that was all the usable money. Used £1, £5 notes, 10 shillings. Um, Insurance companies at the time predicted it would be the biggest single loss ever known. uh, And bank shares dropped seven points overnight. What happened next? Well, what happened next? The robbers, they left the train, they made one of their biggest mistakes. They told the train crew and the post office staff not to move for half an hour, which gave the police later indications that they would be within a 30-minute radius. Uh, They then uh, fled 
to Leatherslade Farm, which was on the Buckinghamshire Oxfordshire border in Brill, just to the west of Aylesbury, through the country lanes. Uh, and there they uh, they bought a farm, the farm uh, Leatherslade Farm, uh, uh, beforehand, which they'd promised to do up. Uh, and there they lay low for several days. Um, and the story has it they drank cups of tea, uh, ate, drank, and they played Monopoly um, with real money. That's how the story goes. Um, but the the gang's quick exit proved crucial to the police investigation. Um, forensic experts found fingerprints on the cups in the bathroom, the cat's bowl, and, and of course the Monopoly set. And um, to make matters worse, one of the robbers, Jim Hussey, had left a handprint on the train itself. Um, so for all the commando-style precision of planning the raid in the first place and cutting the telephone wires by a Sears crossing um, so, that the, so that the calls couldn't come through to the police, um, they let themselves down badly by leaving uh, all the evidence behind uh, at the farm and one of the gang had been charged with clearing up by basically torching it but he'd failed to do so. Um, now police were alerted by uh, a nearby farmer who'd seen some unusual comings and goings. He'd known that the farm had been up for sale and wondered what was going on. Police were alerted. One of the first uh, policeman on the scene was uh, retired policeman John Woolley. He was only 25 at the time uh, and he describes finding the Royal Mail sacks in the cellar. Well, I pulled one of those sacks over onto the steps in front of me and uh, I suppose was slightly surprised to find that it wasn't the, the corn sack, the potato sack that I perhaps half expected it might be, but it was in fact a canvas mail bag. And as the top flopped open... I could see parcel wrappers. Tony, how long was it before any of the men were caught? Um, nine men alleged to have been involved were in police custody on New Year's Day 1964, so not long after. Some appeared at Lindslade Courthouse. Um, Lindslade was in Buckinghamshire at that point rather than in Bedfordshire. Uh, everyone was eventually caught and sentenced to a total of 307 years in prison. Uh, that was reduced to 251 on appeal. Of the £2.6 million stolen, only around 335,000 was ever recovered. Um, as you said at the beginning, in great, why great? We always talk about this robbery in revered terms. I think some people, especially the son of Jack Mills, the train driver, would rather that we that we didn't. Um, but uh, retired policeman John Woolley, who we heard from earlier, who discovered the hideout, he doesn't think that this robbery will be celebrated for much longer. It was styled as the crime of the century. And when you take into account the vast amount of money that was stolen, the equivalent of £40 million, and remember, this was all in banknotes, this was all usable money, not something that you'd got to sell for whatever price you could get for it. Um, over the 50 years, it's been celebrated, the various occasions that crop up, escapes, rearrests, that sort of thing. It's not going to happen much longer, though. I well, that's uh, retired policeman John Woolley ending that report by Tony Fisher. On the line is John Prosser. John is from Brill in Bucks, which is where the robbers use Leather Slade Farm as their hideout. Morning, John. What are your memories of living in Brill in August 1963? Oh, good morning. Well, I've lived in Brill all my life. At, uh, it's a very quiet village on top of the hill, 640 feet high. And... Uh, at this time, the village was a quiet, lovely village, still is, as a matter of fact. And suddenly, it seemed all hell broke loose. The uh, police were all over the place. The press were here in great numbers. And uh, the pubs were suddenly turned into lively places where people all went to catch up 
on the gossip, which was rife. Some people went down, we found it was down, um, down uh, Rymel's Lane, and the, at the, uh, the hideout was down Rymel's Lane. Some people went down there in the vain hope of finding some money. No one ever did. And um, the uh, national press asked we people that had phones, phones weren't quite as common in those days as they are now, and uh, they asked for the use of their phone and gave us five quid to, for the use of the phone, for the total use of the phone. I imagine for b- b- being such a quiet place to, to being such a noisy place, it was, it was quite exciting. Oh, very exciting. Oh, yes, it was a buzz. It was very exciting. And uh, as I said, people went to the pubs to pick up and keep up with the gossip. The police were all over the place. Incidentally, the police station and court at Brill was built to exactly the same plan as the one at Linslade, oh. where the court robbers went. At the time, uh, we were building a house in... I was a builder, uh, building a house in the high street. And uh, for a, a joke, I suppose, I put uh, a notice on my lorry will carry for sale, will carry two and a half million anywhere. <laughs> there you go, you see. But you, I didn't get any you, off. You didn't get any, I'm afraid, that's a shame. John, do, do, do you think we're in danger of glorifying the criminals? No, I don't think so. They, it was, well, they did cosh the unfortunate van driver, but other than that, it wasn't a vicious crime, was it? No, no one was uh, injured apart from... Apart that from was a bad one man. That was a shame, of course. Yes. But other than that one incident, it wasn't a vicious crime, was it? John, thank you very much. We have to end it there. John Prosser uh, from uh, Brill in Bucks, where the robbers used leather slade farmers. There, Hyder, what do you think? Uh, it's interesting. It wasn't a vicious crime, apart from that one fellow that got whacked round the head. I, d- I don't get the great train robbery. I, d- I don't. Um, I don't quite understand the fascination with it. Is it just me? Am I just being? Um, Disinterested in social history? Do you get it? 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. 716 or thereabouts on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise has been closed because of a lorry fire between Junction 25 at Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar. Congestion back to the M11 at Junction 27. It's a lorry that caught fire through the roadworks section. A full closure in place there. Clockwise has been closed as well. It's shut between Junction 23 at the A1M and 25 at Enfield. So that's fully closed from those two junctions and no entry, of course, at Junction 24 at Potter's Bar as a result. The A1 looking quite slow into London through Edgware with delays from Apex Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. And other routes through the three counties so far this morning are running well. Trains and tubes, no problems reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's coming up to 7.17 on Thursday the 8th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riots are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long 18-year sentence. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. 
In sport, the Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers, has promised strong and decisive action over, in his words, the total disrespect shown towards the club by Luis Suarez. Coming up, two years since the riots. We'll hear about one man who's been sentenced to 18 years in prison and finding out why his family are hoping to get that sentence reduced. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. You just can't carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or an organisation has stood up and basically smelt the coffee. Well, yeah, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Gris show goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I've had a tweet from, uh, who is this? John S underscore UKIP. I wonder what uh, he's uh, aligned with. He wants to know why. I want to know, Ian, why interviewers are adopting the ignorant attitude of keep arrogantly asking the same question over answers. Uh, The the reason I ask the same question, uh, uh, John, is because when the question isn't answered, I like to to push it until the question is answered. Uh, And... um, uh, I talk, spoke over that journey. He's talking to the, about the Jane, train gentleman earlier on. I spoke over him because um, he was repeating the same answer. So, so that's why. No arrogance and uh, no ignorance, John. Not on my part anyway. I couldn't possibly comment on yours. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. It's two years since riots swept through cities across England. At the time, the government said tough sentences would show there were consequences to disorder. Well, Wayne Collins, 25, a barber from Luton, is now serving an 18-year sentence for his part in uh, the Birmingham disorders. He was imprisoned under the controversial law of joint enterprise. We'll explain that. Uh, in a little bit. Uh, His family and lawyers were shocked by the 18-year conviction and are now appealing against the length of his sentence in the High Court. A petition started by his family has gained nearly 10,000 signatures and now the MP for Luton, Kelvin Hopkins, has backed the campaign by writing to the Justice Secretary. Our reporter, Richard Williams, spoke to Debbie Taylor, Wayne's aunt, about his conviction and she explained why he was travelling to Birmingham. He was going to meet these... Well, when I say these, I'd say a friend that it was more of an associate. He wasn't somebody that I would class as a friend because we didn't know him. But somebody had met in Ayanapa when he was on holiday. When did you first realise potentially something had gone quite badly wrong up there? I was contacted via the family on the 11th of August. During that time, I didn't even know that Wayne had already been arrested for two days. Prior to that, he was arrested on the 9th. When I found out, I was completely just freaked out. For the police to make that conclusion, mm-hmm. to arrest Wayne on suspicion, what circumstances did he put himself in that made him open to that? It boiled down to that it was he was in a situation that he didn't have a choice. You know, he didn't have the options there. What do you mean by that? Well, he was caught up in, 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 in an area that, number one, he didn't know. Um, number two, you know, being caught up in a situation where you didn't, you didn't know what was going to happen. You, you're walking down a street, you, you, you know, you've lost the people that you was with or the person that he was with. And all of a sudden you're just in this crowd that it's, there's noise, there's just so much going on. But he could not 
turn around and say, well, I know that person, this person and that person. And even in court, not one of the defendants, stroke co-defendants there stood up and said, or in the statement said, they knew Wayne Collins. Why that night, though, when it was all going off, didn't he just walk away, get in his car and go? That was what a lot of people would be saying now. Why didn't he, if he saw all this trouble going on around him, get out of there? Because at that time, when he'd, he didn't know where his car was, so he'd left his car, he'd got caught up in this crowd, so he's just gone with the crowd, looking around, thinking, gosh, how can I get out of here? What impact has the last two years in prison had on Wayne? His whole character's changed. His perception of the UK justice system's changed. His understanding of what freedom is all about and how just being in the wrong place at the wrong time and also just meeting the wrong person at the wrong time could have such an impact on one's life. And what a lot of people won't realise is he's a dad, isn't he? He's a dad that's a young dad and his son and his partner who has taken it really, really badly because you've got to look at your child's going to be a teenager. What I said to Wayne was really important for him to understand that in order for him to get through this was you have to adapt to the way prison life is in order to make it through. Because if you don't adapt to that system, it will destroy you. Well, that's our reporter, Richard Williams, speaking to Debbie Taylor, Wayne's aunt. Joined now by Dr Andrew Green, who is from the organisation Innocent, who campaigns for people who are wrongly convicted. And he's also an expert on the law of joint enterprise. I hadn't heard of this law before this morning, uh, Andrew. Explain the law of joint enterprise. I'll do my best. Um... It's quite complicated. It's a, a legal doctrine rather than a law, which has been developed as common law by judges. Um, and it applies where a group of people are acting together and one, of the, one member of the group commits a crime and the others can all be held guilty of that same crime, um, even though they, they didn't actually do it. As long as they... Uh, can be considered to have had foresight that the the person who actually did it, the perpetrator, that that um, he might, he or she might commit such a crime. There was a landmark case, wasn't there, in 1985 regarding foresight. What what was that? Well, it's it's a, just introduced the idea of foresight. It was actually a robbery case from Hong Kong, um, and it did simply introduce that concept of foresight uh, that. Anyone, people acting together could, could um, be convicted of, of a crime even if they, they didn't do it because they could be held to have foresight that the other person would do it. Is it a law that works, Andrew, or does it need a, a total overhaul? I think... I mean, other aspects of joint enterprise may work. It was used, say, in the Nuremberg trials, where, where people who were just administrators, say, at concentration camps, were held responsible for the murders committed there, which seems quite reasonable to me. But um, the, the problem with it is, in this country, and the way it's been applied since 1985, is that uh, the standard of proof in joint enterprise cases has been lowered far below other cases. If, if there's the police are investigating a murder, they have to prove that an ordinary, what you might call an ordinary murder, they have to prove 
say that someone actually plunged a knife into someone else or shot them. There's forensic evidence, there's evidence of the person's intent, things like that. But it's not necessary in joint enterprise cases. They just have to prove that someone is a member of a group and that someone in that group committed the crime. So the level of evidence required is, is much less? Much, much less, yes. It's, it's very easy to prove that someone's a member of a group. It's just done because, say, phone calls were exchanged or someone was in the same place as, as the group. Is the use of this law for conviction on the increase? Well, it seems to be. There, there's no statistics gathered about it. Uh, Keir Starmer, the Director of Public Prosecutions, was asked about it by the um, House of Commons Justice Committee, and he said no statistics are gathered, and no one seems to be gathering statistics. But there seem to be organisations like Innocent get a large number of cases, um, which we didn't have before. Innocent's been going 20 years, um, and it's only in the last few years we've been getting a lot of, of serious joint enterprise cases, mostly murders. These are very serious cases. And there are calls for the government to, to look at this law. Are they going to? Well, it's, it's certainly not. It's been ruled out by a government minister who said there's simply no time in, in the legislation timetable, so it's not going to happen under this government. I don't think it's going to happen. There are no signs. And in, in any case, I don't think people um, in the government or in the judiciary or anywhere are taking seriously this problem of the low standard of proof. Um, it's a law that's been developed by judges, as I said. It's common law. It's, it's never been legislated on. It's never been before Parliament. It's never been subject to sort of democratic debate. Thanks very much for joining us. That's uh, Dr Andrew Green, uh, who is from the uh, organisation Innocent, who campaign for people who are wrongly convicted. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roadworks, road closures, the bane of people's lives. But they're essential, aren't they? And uh, most organisations... I, I remember back in the day, a phrase I hate, that the gas, British gas would come and dig up the road and they'd seal it up. Then a week later, Thames Water would come along and then they'd seal it up. And then the council would come. Now, don't they have to? Have I got this wrong? Don't they have to all kind of chip in and do their work at the same time? Don't they? Uh, Pat's te- Pat has uh, texted 8333, uh, start your text 3CR. I'm fed up with road closures, so I can understand why local businesses are suffering. Councils should be made to give back business rates that shop owners have paid until the works are finished. Perhaps then the Highways Authority will put in more manpower to speed up the roadworks. Also, I get fed up with coming up against a sign which reads road closed. Naming the road would be uh, useful instead of having to look for which road is closed. Well, it's interesting you say people should be giving back their, their council tax and their business tax, but, but, but ultimately they, they will have a better road, won't they? They'll have better services, won't they? I do know what you mean about them being a bit slow, though. You go, do you remember, there was a massive earthquake in Japan, uh, not the last one, the one before, maybe about five years ago, and there were pictures of a motorway that had literally been ripped in half. 48 hours later, they'd fixed it. They just blitzed it. 48 hours later, they fixed it. Here, it's like th- three months. <laughs> 08459 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. 29 minutes past seven, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel now with Adam. 
travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise is still closed. It's queuing after a lorry fire, and that's between Junction 25 at Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar that we have the closure. Congestion is back into Essex as far as the M11 at Junction 27, so severe delays through there. The clockwise side, which was shut past the scene, has now reopened, but it's still looking very slow from the A1M and indeed a little bit back before the A1M all the way through and past Enfield at Junction 25. If you're continuing round anti-clockwise, there's also the usual slow patch of traffic from Maple Cross to the M40. The A1 into London, slow through Edgware from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Busy if you cross the M25 near to Chesant and go through Enfield, the A10 looking slow from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road. And we've still got those works in Ivor Heath, the A412 being closed off for works between Thornbridge Road and the Five Points Roundabout. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riot are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long 18-year sentence. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. And 50 years after the great train robbery at Leadburn near Mentmore, the Buckinghamshire Constabulary officers involved have received special commendations. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford, Milton Keynes, Dons and Stevenage will be in this lunchtime's Capital One Cup second round draw after wins on Tuesday night. Premier League clubs not involved in European competition enter the League Cup draw today. MK Dons manager Carl Robinson says it can give his young players vital experience. We may look at old cars disrespected by playing an average, a team with an average age of 20, but it's not. It's a, it's a great building block for us as a football club to use these opportunities to play the young players and. The English and Welsh cricket board have asked the Australian broadcasters Channel 9 for an apology after they accused batsmen of using silicon tape to try to trick the decision review system during the Ashes. One of the players implicated was Kevin Peterson, who called the suggestions hurtful lies. And the former England bowler Matthew Hoggard believes the ECB are well within their rights to seek an apology. Yeah, of course you are. You've you just blatantly accused somebody of cheating. You mm. can't just accuse one person of cheating. It has to come out and say, right, then hold your hand up, we made an apology... It's not, it's not even with against the rules. You're allowed to put silicon tape on your bat if you want to, but I don't think the batters are. The US PGA Championship starts later today at Oak Hill, with Rory McIlroy looking to recapture the form that saw him win last year's tournament. McIlroy was victorious by a huge margin at Kiowa Island, but has struggled for form since, but he says any setbacks will make him a better player in the long run. Every period's character building. You know, I went through the same sort of thing last year, and you learn something from it and you move on and... Life would be pretty boring if it was easy all the time. So it's it's great that you have these challenges and you know you try and get over them and, and you learn something from them and move on. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at eight o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, more on the Great Train Robbery. Do you get it? Are you? Is it one of those stories that uh, interests you, excites you? In terms of crimes of the 20th century, I don't think it's particularly exciting. Uh, the, the assassination of JFK, Watergate. 
these are kind of the, the exciting crimes. This is just a bunch of chances who whacked a fella over the back of the head and stole a few million quid. I don't get it. I don't get it, but I know a lot of you do. And I'd really appreciate it if you could call up and explain to me. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. Also be talking about roadworks as well a little bit later on. Now, more on the news that the government is going to give struggling accident and emergency departments in England a shot in the arm, ah-ha-ha-ha, to help them get through the winter. You see what they did there. A one-off cash boost of £500 million will be spent to help the departments cope with the pressures over a two-year period. But how much of a difference will it make? Dr Clifford Mann is an A&E consultant and president of the College of Emergency Medicine. He doesn't believe it's enough. There's no long-term plan here. There's no major reform of the way in which we're going to deliver emergency care and make it um, both um, sustainable for the, the taxpayer, but also sustainable for the doctors and nurses that work in emergency medicine. Well, we can speak to our reporter Gavin Lee, who's been looking at this. Gavin, what are the issues here? Well, it's you know how you stop the headlines of last year, which were pretty awful and you know the massive um, problems with um, NHS at, at the A&E level and, and actually managing accident emergency so this is money not necessarily new money it's coming from existing budgets but it's 250 million that's been shifted round to for use explicitly for um, A&Es um, across the country 250 million for this winter 250 million for the winter of 2014 which is interesting because it takes us up to the next general election then and you know the, some of the criticism we have heard is it's just you know, a sticking plaster, no more than that. Um, and then, you know, once the elections happen, they can deal with the, the bigger picture there. But it's money that goes to some of the 50 hospitals. This is not an automatic allocation. This is for those that have suffered the most, and the hospitals will have to basically bid for this money, which has led to some of the criticism as well, to, with those saying, well, those who have failed are, will potentially get rewarded with the most. So where is this money being spent then? Well, it's not going to be for um, just as simply as the government sees it to react and for hospitals to just basically top up staffing levels at A&E units. The government's saying it's looking for ideas from different hospital trusts to manage demand at hospitals. So it may be, for example, a big part of last year, a big part of the problem was, and, and throughout some of this year as well, a quarter of those going into A&E don't actually need to be there at all. So it may be that some of the um, the units decide they're going to spend the money on, on other things, primary care, you know, pharmacies, adult social care, trying to stop so many people turning up at A&E, or different ways of doing A&E. There's talk of a consultant-led triage of different potentially better ways, arguably, um, to do it. But it's all um, its all a sideshow, I think. The key event is going to be next month. So B- Bruce Keogh, the medical director of the NHS, is going to report about how accident emergency services are actually working in general. He's expected to point to the idea of consolidation. So there'll be fewer um, A&E units in future, but they would work much better, much more focused on dealing with accident emergency provision rather than just spend, 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 so it gets bigger, wider and more of a problem. So, you know, that's, that's the thing a lot of people are waiting for. We heard a moment ago criticism from one A&E consultant saying he doesn't think the money will be enough. Yeah. Half a million... Uh, the £500 million, pounds, sorry... <sighs> Is it enough? What's the government saying? Well, it's only got to go so far, isn't it? When you think about so many of the most needy 50 hospitals, it's, you know, as Labour have said, it's a drop in the ocean. And they're also saying they're 
view is there aren't enough nurses, they want more people working in A&E, there simply isn't enough staff, weekends is a big problem, you know, they, they, there should be a focus on doctors working a seven-day week, they say, because that is a way of actually improving the service. Um, Jeremy Hunt, the health secretary, have said, as he sees it, the money will give patients confidence in the system for the next two years. It'll prepare A&E departments for the winter period and, and potentially stave off some of the uh, the bad headlines to come. So I think there's a general agreement that is, this is potentially a, you know, a very good thing, but for the short term. Gavin Lee, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Happy Great Train Robbery Day, guys. Are, are people interested in it? I don't know. If we go by what people are saying on Facebook, and don't we all base our lives on what people are saying on Facebook these days? Don't we? If we don't, we should. Uh, then, no, most people aren't uh let's just read some of the comments jane uh, well jane says i watched mrs biggs on tv recently about the aftermath of ronnie going on the run with his wife and kids have to say it was a great drama program uh jackie says it's the media not us we've heard it all before and jenny says i'm not fascinated i'm not even vaguely interested a bunch of thugs who did the crime but in some cases ran away rather than do the time yes only one person was injured and maybe if he died at the time rather than later some people might not have made the thieves out to be cunning heroes but how many other lives have they adversely affected by their actions both at the time and since well we're talking about it because it is 50 years since the great great train robbery uh, justin you are fascinated by it yes i am and i think um interesting to know those people you mentioned there were they actually around back in 1963 because certainly the people that i talked to uh, about 19 19- 63 who were alive certainly remember this day 50 years ago today incredibly well no you weren't alive then you, you are a, a relatively young man although middle age is creeping upon you quicker than you'd like to acknowledge <laughs> yes, okay okay w- what is it about the great train robbery that that, that that fascinates you well i think it's the history as well if you if you look at the people that that, that put this together if you like they were normal people that, that that sounds ridiculous to say that because they were robbers but but they were normal people you had a, a florist in there uh, Uh, for argument's sake. I think the way they put this together at that particular time, this was a big big deal. I think if you said to anybody right now that was alive at that time what were you doing on the 8th of August 1963, they would know exactly where they were and what they were doing. Yeah, I was on a train coshing someone. That, that, they're thugs, Justin. They're just mm. thugs. But then again, you know, you, you look at all robberies and heists throughout time, people have always had a fascination. Yep. How on earth did they manage to pull this off? At that time, that was a, a huge amount of money, uh, the equivalent to over £40 million today. We're talking about a vast amount of money and they've managed to put this plan together and actually carry it off. Yes, they didn't quite make it through because at Leatherslade Farm, what was meant to happen was the building they were in that was meant to be torched. That didn't happen. The evidence was, was, was then left and then, of course, they were caught. But I think it was the fact, how on earth did they pull this off? That's why people were fascinated back then. Do you know one of the things that annoys me about these uh, these thugs? Uh, 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 Ronnie Biggs. Ronnie Biggs goes to... Was it Spain he was in? Mexico. Mexico. And he's just there laughing at us. He's laughing at us. He's been part of a, a nasty, horrible crime. And he spent so many years laughing at us. Oh, and then suddenly he's not very well and he needs the <laughs> NHS. Oh, I'll come back and have some of that, shall I? But a 
I just think that's outrageous. But a lot of people at the time, and again, I could be wrong here, but I'm, I'm going on programmes that I've seen and, and research in the past, a lot of people will be sticking their thumbs up saying, well done. Yep. You know, you've got oh, one over will, on the yeah. government, you've got the money, you're living the life, good on you. They will be, definitely. You've been speaking to people this morning, what have they been saying to you? Well, yeah, you, you don't really get the fascination, no. so you sent me out earlier on, I've been asking people, why is there such a fascination still 50 years on, and this is what people had to say. I think it's just a case it was something in history. What happened in Leighton Buzzard, round that way. And it's local as well. No, it, it just fascinates people that it happened round here. Because, you know, us today on Three Counties, a number of the networks are going to be talking about it. Do you think it's, it's justified that we talk about that, despite oh, it being 50 years ago? Definitely, definitely, yeah. I think, I think we should keep on uh, talking about our history and all the rest of it. You don't think we're glamorising it, do you? Oh, no, no, no. I think it, sometimes it has to be brought up again in case it happens again. You never know these days. 50 years on? It was eight years before I was born. <laughs> but, yeah, I do hear about it because, obviously, it's local. And I, I lived in Leighton Buzzard for quite a while, so, um, obviously, it's a big big thing there because, obviously, it was local. And, and when I've been on trains and, that, you know, going through that way, they've sort of said, oh, this is where it happened. So, yeah, I've heard learned about it from family and stuff. So, yeah. I suppose because of the nature of the crime at the time. Well, it was the first of the great robberies, wasn't it? I mean, when you think, I mean, that money today... It's the equivalent of 46 million. Yeah. Uh, good question. I don't see why myself, Percy's bringing. Because the Royal Mail, probably. Probably, probably an embarrassment that they could, could, could live down. Well, people are interested by it. I think part of it is it was... When was it? 63. So part mm. of it is, you know, the 60s were just about to... Just starting to get swinging. Uh, and I guess maybe this counterculture was starting to become a little bit cooler. Quite possibly. And again, you know, you heard people there talk about the history. That's one thing. But, but of course, locally, up and down the country today, people talking about this. This happened in our patch. You know, when you think about where the robbery took place, you think about where the robbers then went afterwards uh, over to Brill in Buckinghamshire. It's local as well. So people in beds, hearts and bucks are probably going to have a more keener interest, let's say, than, than people from a, across the UK. Because for us, this happened locally. Such a big crime yeah. happened here yeah. in our patch. Well, it's in times like this, Justin, I like to say local and vocal. Exactly. A bit like yourself on the back of those buses. Thank you very much indeed, Justin Dealey. Well, someone who was 38 years old when this crime took place. 38 years old. Isn't that mental? Two years younger than I am now. Dennis in Dunstable. Good morning. I hope I don't live as long as you. No, 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 no. And incidentally, that creaking sound you heard the other day was not my chair, it was my knees. Your niece? Well, tell her to stop. I, I can't do anything. You have to stand up the creek. You, right. you, uh, were, you were nearly 40 when the Great Train Robbery took place. Yeah. Do you remember it? Yes. What, where were you, sir? Uh, where were you on August the, the 8th? I, was in, I lived here in Dunstable. Right. I don't say exactly what I was doing, but through some comments on your previ- one of your previous uh, people on the thing, I had to come down to you to pick up a book about the, a novel which had been written about it to ask me what I thought about it. It wasn't very good. No. It certainly wasn't Shakespeare. No. But I think the problem was... I don't think Shakespeare wrote uh, the, about the Great Train no, Robbery. No, I don't think so no. for one minute. But no. I think it was exciting at the time. It was like cowboys and Indians. And although they said it was... Nobody got hurt. That poor old fellow got thumped. And then I believe he subsequently died. Well, he did die. I, d- I don't know how long after. But yeah, he got whacked over the back of the head and, and he died. So people say, oh, listen, it was it was little men against the big men. It yeah. wasn't a violent crime. Well, it I, was a violent crime, but fellow got cosh. I think it, the whole thing kept going because of the fellow who pushed off to Brazil. Married a Brazilian girl, had a Brazilian baby, and they couldn't get him out of Brazil until he finally came back of his own accord. I think when he'd spent all the money. 
I mean, that's he's even what... in films, Ronnie Biggs. He's in the Sex Pistols film, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. Yeah, I know. It was. It was. I think that's what dragged it on because of this. Kept on going back to Brazil to try and dig him out. But... Do you get it, Dennis? Should we be celebrating these thugs? Uh, I don't think celebrating. I think. I think they ought to celebrate the, the poor old man who got plumped. Mm. And at the time, I think there was more interest in punishing these people for stealing money than for murder. Ever stolen anything, Dennis? No. Why, why, why do I need to... Come on. We've all, we've all stolen bits and pieces. Um, what was stolen? Um, perhaps some paper clips from work. You never, you never been a little bit light-fingered at any point in your life? There's no point in it, is there? All right, I'll tell you what. I've stolen a couple of things. Have you? Yeah, 17 years old. I went to HMV in London. There were two Elvis CDs. Elvis 68 Comeback Special and Elvis Live at Madison Square Gardens. I wanted them both. I couldn't afford either of them. So I put them in my bag before the times of electronic tagging. Not proud of it. Not proud of it. Put them in my bag, walked out. Felt incredibly guilty. So I went back and paid for one of them. What a delightful person you are. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Listen, not proud of it. This was 23 years ago. Not proud of it in the slightest. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly ashamed of it. Well, why don't you go and pay for the second one? Um, um, that's, um, not, that's not a bad point, actually, is it? Now you've admitted it. Yeah, that's not a bad point. I'm not going to go back into HMV. See, by the way, 23 years ago, I started... Uh, maybe I'll make a little donation to a charity. How about that? Well, that's absolutely... There we go. 15 quid to a charity. Yeah. Dennis, do me a favour. Yes. Hang up on me. Goodbye. Fantastic. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still severe delays on the M25. Anti-clockwise, it remains shut following a lorry fire between Enfield at Junction 25 and Potter's Bar at Junction 24. Congestion is pretty much back as far as the M11 at Junction 27. Your diversion, follow the hollow yellow square symbols on the road signs, which will take you along the A10, the North Circular Road and then the A1, to rejoin the M25 at Junction 23. It's also looking slow in the usual spot anti-clockwise from Maple Cross to the M40. Clockwise, queuing from the A1M through to Enfield. This is through the roadworks. Congestion back to Junction 22 at London Coney as well. Of course, we did have the closure on the clockwise side past the scene of that lorry fire. Everything has reopened clockwise, but you're still going to find it very, very busy. There are delays on the A10 through Chesant southbound from the A121 down toward the M25, not helped by those problems. And then it's slow through Enfield as well from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road and the A1 in Edgware looking busy from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Trains running well. If you're heading for London on the tubes, minor delays for the Northern Line Camden Town to High Barnet. There was a faulty train at Highgate. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. If we're celebrating 50 years of the great train robbery, why don't we celebrate the bits and pieces that you nicked? Not condoning it, it's very, very naughty. I've admitted to nicking a couple of CDs 23 years ago, and I do feel very, very bad about it. What, what bits and pieces have found their way into your life that don't belong to you? What have you tea-leafed, dear listener? 08459 455555. Right, 7.47, it's Thursday the 8th of August, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted after the Birmingham riots are fighting to reduce what they say is an unreasonably long 18-year sentence. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution.
In sport, the Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers, has promised strong and decisive action over, in his words, the total disrespect shown towards the club by Luis Suarez. Coming up, roadworks. They're not fun, are they? Particularly not if you live in Dunstable. We'll find out exactly what's going on after the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. It is a rather chilly start to the day. We've seen temperatures drop into single figures, actually, quite widely across the three counties overnight. Warming up now in the sunshine. Lots of sunshine for the rest of the day. A few more mist patches to get rid of, but um, a bit more cloud bubbling up here and there into the afternoon. So more like sunny spells a bit later on through the afternoon. Best of the sunshine will be this morning, but find a sunny spot and it'll feel reasonably pleasant, actually, with just light winds. We're looking at temperatures up to 22 or 23 degrees Celsius in Stevenage, in Hartford and in St Albans in uh, Aylesbury as well. So not looking too bad. Temperatures low 20s really. Uh, the the outside chance of catching one or two light showers as we head uh, through the late afternoon and the first part of the evening but the vast majority of places are going to stay dry. Overnight tonight, few changes. We'll start to see the clouds thicken. A milder night than we saw last night. Lows 13 or 14 degrees. And then as we head into rush hour tomorrow, we're likely to see a few outbreaks of rain. Could see some sharp showers around at times too. Bit of a cloudier day tomorrow. Again, temperatures hitting the low 20s. Bit of sunshine perhaps later on through the day. Dry and fine on Saturday. There will be some more rain on Sunday. That's the forecasting. Thank you, Elizabeth. Chet and Partuk on BBC Three Counties Radio. As Muslims celebrate the end of Ramadan, this Sunday night I'll be broadcasting live from Campbell Park in Milton Keynes for a special Eid festival in the park. It's one of the biggest events in the Muslim calendar as people mark the end of a month of fasting. Chet and Partuk. We'll bring you all the sights and sounds from the festival. So join me this Sunday evening from 6, live from Campbell Park in Milton Keynes on BBC Three Counties Radio. Residents down Lewis Road say the traffic caused by roadworks in Dunstable is incredibly dangerous. The Pointers Road Repair Works has seen the road closed for 11 weeks since July the 8th. Now, traffic using uh, Lewis Road in Luton eyes a through road, which residents say is inappropriately narrow. Our reporter, Sophie Solaria, went out with site manager Ben Gadsby to check out the problem. We're just going to drive around the diversion route, going through the Woodside Industrial Estate to the site vehicle access on Paul's Avenue. And this is instead of going on Pointers Road? Instead of going on Pointers Road, uh, vehicles are directed along Dunstable Road. They turn right at Boscombe Road, which we're on now. We then follow this, following the sign, so you can see the diverted traffic sign. And as you can see, it's not a busy diversion. But then it is quarter past two in the afternoon. Which is just around shift change of the industrial estate. But it's not the start of work and the end of work. So you're not during peak time. I I would welcome you coming back at peak time because I drive to site this way every day and I'm rarely stuck in traffic. What about the diverted traffic that's leading off Lucy Road, for example? We haven't diverted any traffic towards Lucy Road. That's not part of our sign diversion. Um, We understand that this is being used by local traffic, but we don't have any powers to control that. But that's still an issue for the people that live down that narrow road. It is an issue, but we don't have the power to sign that that as part of our diversion. If local traffic decide that that's the best route for them, we don't have the power to stop them. I'm coming up Gleegrave High Street now and turning into Lucy Road. 
uh, where I have been told the problems are particularly difficult in terms of traffic from people avoiding Pointers Road and uh, using Lucy Road as a through road. It is very congested round here and actually behind the traffic is an ambulance. The ambulance lights aren't on, but I can imagine if they were, it would be a pretty heavy squeeze to try and get the ambulance from an emergency to the hospital at the other end of the road. It's been 15 minutes now and I'm still on Lucy Road, still in traffic, and it's actually only half past three, so I'm not sure what it would be like at the end of the day. And it's been so slow, my sat-nav has just asked me if I want to switch to pedestrian mode. I'm going to stop and try and speak to some residents to see how they've been affected by this. I've got nose-to-tail traffic near enough all day, and I even have a job to get my car out. How are people coping? It's difficult. It's horrendous. Um, it's really the ambulances. My daughter works in A&E, and she knows it's difficult for them to get through. That's not right, is it? <laughs> I just hope nobody dies through it. Well, I've been saying the name wrong the whole time. Someone forgot to put a Y in the name. Thanks, guys. With us now is Lucy Road resident, Joan Bodymead. Morning, Joan. Good morning. Where do you live in relation to Pointers uh, Road? Um, well, I live opposite Ferrer's School. Um, so I'm about, I'm nearer to Leegrave High Street than the hospital. How has the work affected you? Awful. Um, we have uh, a tremendous amount of traffic coming um, along the road. Most of the time it's uh, nose to tail and um, it, it's just ridiculous because it's a narrow road and we're the main road to the hospital for the ambulances to come uh, to and fro and uh, sometimes they have a, a great difficulty in avoiding the, these traffic jams to get through. So, um, I guess the problem is that this, this work does need to be done at some point, and, and, and whenever it's done, it's not going to be ideal, is it? There are going to be uh, knock-on effects. Well, of course not. No, I mean, I realise that. But uh, one wonders why they didn't do half the road to start with and the other half later on. And possibly, had they kept the road up to scratch over the years, they wouldn't have such a problem now. Um, so, you know, that's my take on it. Is it dangerous, do you think, Joan? Well, um, I've seen one or two bumps um, outside my house. Um, dangerous, I suppose it could be dangerous, um, but the, the traffic is going so slow. But uh, we have fire engines and police coming up and down the road as well. And, um, yes, it could be dangerous, but it, it is inconvenient. I have difficulty getting my car out. I, the people have to stop so that I can get out. And I'm not the only one that um, moans about it. But also, I mean, I do know that Pointers Road and the people who live around and about there, they were given notification about this. But I didn't receive any letter to say, you know, sorry about the inconvenience that you're going to suffer for 11 weeks. So I think that is um, something to do with, I think it's south beds or mid beds that the road belongs to. And I think um, they should have um, included us. What would you like to see done, Joan? Um, well, I mean, I know people have got to get to work and use the road um i'd just like to see if they could divert some of the traffic uh, in another area rather than us getting all the pollution and the dirt from all the traffic i can't have a window open in the front um 
bedroom window or anywhere because um, of the pollution. Because while cars are standing still, they're still pumping out um, exhaust fumes. So uh, not very happy. Joan, thank you very much. Joan Bodymead, well, Central Beds Council couldn't be bothered to give us anyone to speak to this morning, but they sent us a statement. I'm going to sub it down significantly. A, it's way too long. B, I think it's a little bit rude. Your your residents um, are upset and are unhappy, and all you do is send us a few words. Uh, basically, whilst everyone appreciates the work needs to be done, we're aware of the disruption. Uh, we took care to schedule the majority of works for the summer holiday, and we are trying to keep the traffic flowing more smoothly. Uh, Marion is on the line. Morning, Marion. Morning. You're aware Morning. of these roadworks, are you? Yes, I'm actually a resident of Pointers Road. Right, and ah, so you, you, you know exactly what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Inconvenient? Um, I don't find it any inconvenience at all, to be honest. Um, I travel to work to London every day. I've actually found the traffic an awful lot easier. And I know we're in the school holidays, but even before the school holidays started, uh, I mean, I found the traffic flow um, brilliant. A vast improvement as to what it was before. Do you use Lucy Road? Um, no, ah, I that, don't. That's, that seems to be where the, a lot of the problems in regards to traffic It is, and I do, I do see uh, traffic in Lucy Road. However, there are other ways to get round that, and I think people probably haven't found it. Um, I mean, I, I know when I go down, um, I can cut round other routes. Um, so it's just a case of looking for other routes. But I suppose if people uh, people don't know those routes, then uh, mm. they're, they're just going to go for that. And, and that would cause problems for people like Joan, who lives in Lucy Road. It would, but, you know, that's what we have on Pointers Road. When Pointers Road are open, we have those problems. Mm. You know, we can't get out of our driveways. You know, I've regularly had to wait 10 minutes or so, um, you know, to... Uh, to, for cars and lorries, I mean, we have a huge number of lorries that come down this road, and in fact, they're the ones who've contributed to the um, state that the road is in. And these roadworks, they're necessary, in your opinion, are they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in the last, what, four or five years, I think the council have spent, what, half a million doing temporary repairs, uh, which have lasted, what, four or five months. Um, the roads become dangerous with potholes and uh, the bumps in it. You know, you can see that it's sinking. Um, it's in a terrible state and you know something had to be done sooner rather than later and I know there's been some query about the length of time that the roadworks are taking but that was explained to us local residents and in that uh, originally it was planned to take 22 weeks so they've they've got that down Marion we have to end it there thank you very much indeed travel news for beds hearts and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio Severe delays for the M25. Anti-clockwise, it is still closed because of a lorry fire between Enfield at Junction 25 and Potters Bar at Junction 24, with traffic back to the M11 at Junction 27. The trapped traffic is currently being released. There are queues through the Bell Common Tunnel. Delays on the diversion route as well. The official diversion following the hollow yellow square signs is the A10, the North Circular Road, and the A1 to rejoin the M25 at Junction 23. Clockwise is queuing. There was the closure on the clockwise side. Although that's been lifted, it's still very, very busy from the A1M toward Enfield. The A10 is looking slow through both Chesant and Enfield. Delays on the A414 in Hartford, possibly as people try and find an alternate route away from that official diversion. And the A421 in Bedford, there's a lane closed, a broken down vehicle between the A6 and Harridan Road, the A600. Trains and tubes running pretty well this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 
Why are we so fascinated with the great train robbery? What, what is it about it that means we're talking about it 50 years later? Not all of you agree. Michael is fed up with us celebrating thugs and criminals. We'll talk about it more after the news. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, family demands justice for Luton rioter, hospitals in line for cash injection and train robbery police officers honoured. BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted for his part in the Birmingham riot say his 18 years sentence is disproportionate. Police connected Wayne Collins-Taylor with a group of men who started a fire and opened fire on police. Although he took no active part in those crimes, the judge ruled his presence served to encourage those who did and he was sentenced under the joint enterprise doctrine, as Dr Andrew Green from the campaign group Innocent explains. It applies where a group of people are acting together and one one member of the group commits a crime and the others can all be held guilty of that same crime, um, even though they, they didn't actually do it. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. £500 million will be spent over the next two two years in an effort to cut delays in A&D and improve services in other areas. Here's our health correspondent, Jane Draper. The new funding will go to the hospitals facing the greatest problems with their local services. Some of the money will be spent on providing more social care around the clock, as well as increasing hours at pharmacies in an attempt to stop patients turning up at hospital. And the NHS 111 phone line dealing with urgent care problems, which has had a troubled launch, will get an extra £15 million to boost its capacity. The government said its announcement was designed to give patients confidence in the system. But the money has been criticised as a sticking plaster solution. A Boreham Woodman has pleaded guilty to actual bodily harm and making threats to kill. 34-year-old Kyle Lawrence from Tempsford Avenue has already spent seven months in custody. He was given a two-year community order and ordered to attend a programme for alcohol and domestic abuse. Inspectors say UK border staff based in France are failing to take the fingerprints of thousands of illegal immigrants caught trying to enter Britain. The discovery was made during an inspection of officials who carry out immigration checks at key transport routes between Europe and the UK. 50 years after the great train robbery at Ledburn near Mentmore, the Buckinghamshire police officers involved have received special commendations. Among those honoured at last night's ceremony were Aylesbury detective Keith Milner and the police constable who discovered the gang's hideout, John Woolley. He thinks the public's fascination with the crime is finally fading. Over the 50 years it's been celebrated, the various occasions that crop up, escapes, re-arrests, that sort of thing. It's not going to happen much longer though. I think that it will quietly come to rest after this, fittingly, the 50th anniversary. In sport, the Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers has promised strong and decisive action over, in his words, the total disrespect shown towards the club by Luis Suarez. Rodgers has made Suarez train alone, with Liverpool insisting they will never be forced into a sale. The weather, dry and fine, with a top temperature of 24 degrees Celsius, that's 75 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight. It's Thursday, the 8th of August. 
Hank Chihuahua. This morning we're talking about the great train robbery 50 years on. Why are people so fascinated by it? The heist took place in Buckinghamshire, but should we be commemorating, celebrating, talking about these thugs that coshed a man over the head to steal a few quid? Two years since riots swept through cities across England. At the time, the government said tough sentences would show there were consequences to disorder. Well, we'll be looking at the case of one Luton man who was sentenced to 18 years in prison. And a roadworks driving you mad. Well, we speak to uh, one Bedfordshire lady who wants compensation because her road will be closed for over two and a half months. But should she just lump it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Today marks the 50th anniversary of the Great Train Robbery in Buckinghamshire. The robbers got away with over £2.5 million in cash, the equivalent of £40 million quid today. Well, most of the money was never recovered, and the gang, including leader Bruce Reynolds and fugitive Ronnie Biggs, was sentenced to a total of 307 years in jail. Our train crime correspondent, Justin Daly, has been to Brill in Buckinghamshire. It, just explain why Brill is so significant, Justin. Well, that, that's where the hideout was. It's right. um, around 28 miles from where the robbery took place in Leadburn. Uh, Brill is quite literally in the middle of nowhere, Ian. So you can understand why they picked that as their hideout. I'd never been there before. I was there this week. And there's still a few people who, who live in the village that were there 50 years ago and they've got some very strong memories of what happened when the hideout was discovered. Here's uh, just a few of those memories for you. Well, I came home from work, and there was the police in the village, and we could see the police dogs, and we just wondered what had happened. We, we, we didn't know at the time, and, we, and I just turned around and went home for tea, and had my tea. As you do. <laughs> As you do, when you come home from work. Have your uh, dinner. Well, I was delivering, actually, down in Oakley, and they, the police stopped me and said, did I? And I said, well, I, I hadn't been there then, but I have actually delivered post there. When the, when the chappy that I worked with on the, in the post office, post chap, when he was on leave, I used to have to do his round, and that covered his round. And what was it like in the village with, with reporters? Was it absolute chaos? Yes, it was, yeah. There was police everywhere down there, yeah. Well, Dennis, you've lived here since 1926. What's your memories of, of August 1963 in the village? I worked at Cowley at the time at a car factory. Uh, coming home, uh, could see these planes flying around and uh, just, you know, that was unusual, really. So uh, gets up to Brill and, of course, everything was going on at the Sun Hotel where... Reporters were there and the police and everything. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I mean, when you meet new people and you talk about your life, is that one of the things that you talk about? The fact that you're from Brill and the great train robbery, the hideout was very near to where you live? Yeah, especially if I'm away from here and, you know, with strangers because they're really interested, you know, because a lot of people came here and down that lane tried to, you know, see the place. And, uh, of course, a lot of talk in the pub. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people in the village. (laughs) It does. I I, I am trying to grapple this morning, Justin, with why people are interested in this and what the fascination 
uh, is we've had a mixed response mm. from some of the listeners. I'm just trying to get the Facebook um, page up to uh, read some. Uh, Michael says, I'm fed up with the media celebrating thugs and criminals and saddened by the views of the public heard on 3CR this morning. Well, in actual fact, we've got some more views to come. It's, it's one of those things, though, that, that is so historic. Yep. And it, it is local. Those people there with their memories, as soon as you mention the great train robbery, uh, they're from Brill and Bucks, and, and that's where the hideout was, Leatherslade Farm, the world's media, they came to their village. That's something that people are not going to forget. And again, I mentioned this point to you. If people were, were alive above the age of five or six years old, maybe, the 8th of August 1963, every single person, I'm sure, will know exactly what they were doing. It's one of those moments where you say, that's what I was doing when that happened. It's such a, a history that, that, that we're talking about today. And of course, it's local. It happens in our patch. Justin Daly, thank you very much indeed. Joined now by Graham Satchwell, who's investigated numerous train robberies for the British Transport Police. Graham, why are people so fascinated by this robbery 50 years on? Well, I, I think there are several reasons. I suppose, A, of course, it was a very large amount of money. You've already referred to that this morning. But secondly, of course, it was a very audacious crime. You know, people don't stop, stop, trains, on the, uh, stop trains and commit um, hold-ups. So this was a unique um, uh, robbery in that sense. So very audacious, very large amount of money. Of course, it struck the public imagination. And I guess also because of the myth of the non-violent, likeable rogues taking on the state. Of course, the myth is very different to the reality. And, you know, I, I tend towards your uh, caller Michael's views on, uh, on, the, on, on the issue of celebrating it. But I think for those reasons, very large amount of money, audacious, struck the public imagination and of the myth well, I, I spent a, a, a social evening, bizarrely, with um, uh, Bruce... Uh, not Bruce Robinson, what's the... Uh, what is his name? Um, Bruce Reynolds. Bruce Reynolds. Sorry, yes, Bruce Robinson's the film writer. Well, I, I spent a social evening with uh, Bruce Reynolds, uh, and uh, he, he, he was a very interesting chap. Yeah. But what, what sort of people were the robbers? Well, I guess... I, well, you, I've, as you may know, I, mean, I was responsible with my team for, for arresting uh, one or two people who were involved in the Great Train robbery on subsequent robberies. Um, but uh, so let me tell you that having met them in, 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 in different circumstances in the way that you have, these they, they're typical, of course, people with a, a charm. They are charming people. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, uh, the likable rogue is an, an unusual character. But underneath that, what you what you have to realize is with, with these people, they're very determined and violent, violent criminals. Yeah. Um, so the charm is one thing, but the reality of the way they earn a living is quite different. Why has it been dubbed great? Is it just the, the amount of money? No, as I say, it's not just the amount of money. It's the fact that they actually have the audacity to stop a train and take on a number, uh, take on the state in a way, and that's how it was perceived. I mean, one of your callers was talking about uh, seeing aeroplanes in the sky and mm. all this sort of stuff when the when their hideout was discovered. It was it was regarded as a uh, at the time as being a. a, a, a uh, uh, taking on the state mm. in a very direct sense. And that's why the politicians, uh, why the police service and politicians reacted in the way they did. This was something that couldn't be allowed to happen. So, I, 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 you know, the common man like me and like most, most, most of us in this country like the idea of the, 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 uh, uh, another common man being able to achieve something against the state to make a statement. But the reality of the crime was actually um, a very miserable, a dirty and dishonest. These people were not prepared to work in the way that you and I do, to make a living. 
These people are not go- people who go out and actually try and get a mortgage. These people who are thieves who try and steal from others and take advantage. We've heard from one, uh, one officer in- involved in the case that he thinks that it, it, it's, it's possibly time to lay this to rest now. 50 years, let's have one last nod to it and, and then move on. What do you think? Well, you know, the myth... See, people are not interested, actually, in the reality. People are interested in the myth, the Robin Hood story. Mm. And the Robin Hood story, the original one, has been around for quite some time. So I don't think just because um, good sense would determine that we see this crime in its true light, good sense won't prevail here. The myth will prevail. And the Great Train Robbery will... The story of the Great Train Robbery, the myth, will be around for a very long time, I think. Graham Satchwell, fascinating. Thank you very much for investigating numerous train robberies for the British Transport Police. I don't get the train robbery. Uh, I, I could speak to Graham for ages. I mean, you know, he's he's uh, had some experiences uh, in his time. And I say, I, I, I spent a very bizarre social evening with uh, uh, Bruce Reynolds. Um, it was very odd. Uh, but I don't get the fascination with the great train robbery. Do you? I think there are far more... Inter- I mean, I think there are far more interesting crimes... Uh, Bizarrely, I am fascinated by, for example, the the Sharon Tate murders, the Manson family. Fascinated is is, is quite a strong word, actually. I take that back. I'm interested. I have read books on it. And that, man alive, that was one of the most horrific things you can imagine. But the Great Trim, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, Vanessa in Bedford is texting. My dad was a train driver. It was a big crime. I don't understand about Ronnie Biggs, though. Thought he was supposed to be dying. So he was let out of prison. He's still going. He's probably still laughing at the country now. We were paying for a thug and a thief who should have got life. I'm disgusted. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Should we have a quick look at the old uh, frontingtons of the newspaper industry? Inc. Why not? The Daily Telegraph. Peterson Fury at cheating claims. Oh, I really couldn't do this. Um, make do amend, says Tory minister. Do you know what? The front page of the Telegraph, really boring. I'm going to stop with that one. There we go. Let's move on to the Guardian. Let's see if the Guardian got anything. Bank put new lock on interest rates at, uh, you know, uh, Edinburgh Festival. Front page of the Guardian's quite boring. I believe these got uh, the Independent, uh, the the Bank, um, the Times. Ah, it's a picture of a man surfing. And the Bank. Um, Let's try the Mail. The Mail. Ah, here we go. Over 65 drinkers in health alert. This'll be you. This is you. Over 65, you're drinking. Doctors call for alcohol safety levels to be halved for pensioners. This is what we should be leading on. If you're over 65, you like a drink, well, you should halve your drinky income. Pensioners were warned last night to drink less alcohol or risk severely damaging their health. If you can't have a good booze up at the age of 65 and plus, what's the point in living? Huh? This is what Darby and Jones are based on. Old people going in there and so- getting sozzled. Doctors and public health experts said heavy drinking among the elderly was a hidden problem and safe limit guidelines for over 65 should be huffed. Quick phone him. Okay? If you're over 65, how much do you drink? And do you agree with this? You should halve it. 08459 455 555. If you're over 65, you should be drinking half of what you're drinking now. How much do you drink? And do you agree with that? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25, anti-clockwise. We have severe delays 
The road is closed because of a lorry fire between Enfield and Potter's Bar. It is slow back to the M11 in Essex. It's a tanker that caught fire earlier today. The trap traffic is being released at the moment. Everyone approaching the closure, your official diversion is the hollow yellow square, which will take you down the A10, the North Circular and the A1 to rejoin at Junction 23. Seems lots of people, though, are heading up toward Harlow and Hartford and using the A414 instead because that's looking very slow. It's also really busy clockwise as you go past the scene of the fire. It was, of course, closed clockwise earlier this morning. Today's through Chesant on the A10 coming down toward the M25 in the affected area. We had problems a little bit earlier this morning as well with a breakdown, I believe, in Bedford. It looks like that has gone. Out of Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's 8.16, it's uh, Thursday the 8th of August. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted for his part in the Birmingham riot says his 18-year sentence is disproportionate. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. In sport, the Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers has made Mr Suarez train alone... (laughs) Really? He's made him train alone as punishment for what the manager sees as total disrespect for the club. Coming up, two years since the riots, we'll hear about one man who's being sentenced to 18 years in prison. BBC Three Counties Radio. It was styled as the crime of the century, the equivalent of £40 million. Today is the 50th anniversary of one of the biggest crimes we've ever seen. We drove to the next uh, stop, which was Brittigone Bridge, and there the assault took place. To mark the day, I'll be broadcasting live from where it all happened. And we'll hear from the policeman who found the hideout. It finally hit home. This was the train robber's hideout. Marking the 50th anniversary of the great train robbery this afternoon from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Why? JVS! Uh, we've managed, we almost didn't have Jonathan Vernon Smith this morning, but with a little bit of uh, uh, sellotape, some uh, witch's hair, some chewing gum, and the wind blowing in the right direction, I believe we can go to him now. Jonathan Vernon Smith, are you there? Some witch's hair? Yes disgusting <laughs> it's what you need sometimes to make this is what the bbc is is fueled by we're not allowed to announce it publicly but come on really this whole thing is run by voodoo and black magic jvs i'm held together by witch's hair wouldn't that be nice wouldn't it uh are you a fan of the great train robbery am i a fan of it well we seem to be celebrating it here at bbc three counties radio and i don't quite i think it needs a little nod of the the head a tip, tilt of the hat i don't quite understand why it's being celebrated well each to their own Thank you very much for helping me there. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I, I don't understand people's fascination with uh, with the Great Train Robbery. I don't get it. Well, it was quite an interesting story, wasn't it? And it was it happened locally in Buckinghamshire. Oh, look at you, waving what? waving the company flag. Eh? <laughs> I see you've changed. You've changed. <laughs> How are you, my dear? You're right. I'm all right, thank you. Yes, I'm struggling on in a cruel world. I nearly choked to death yesterday. Oh, I read about this. You actually did, didn't you? What what happened? I seriously nearly choked to death. Uh, I ordered a steak baguette. Yes. And I bit into it, and, and they hadn't cut the steak up inside the baguette. Well, it was just a lump of steak. It was a one great big long lump of steak. <laughs> so as I, 
as I bit into it, I've just realised this will be a really disgusting story for you because you're you're not a meat oh, eater. Oh, right? stories about you choking, uh, Jonathan, always get me excited. So no, as on. I bit into it, I kind of I felt that I couldn't bite off this steak, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll just I'm sure I'll find the end of it in a minute. Oh no! In the end, I ended up with what must have been half a cow in my mouth, and a restaurant was all kind of looking at me. So I thought, well, if I just keep calm and just keep chewing it, yeah. it will be okay. Yeah. The next thing I know, stuck down my blooming throat, oh, isn't it? Oh, gosh. It was terrible. I nearly died. Well, I no way to go. Hang on. Now, you say you nearly died. How close to actually dying did you come? Well, I didn't go blue, <laughs> but <clears throat> shall, I, shall I tell you what I did, although it's quite disgusting? Go there on. There might be people having their breakfast. Oh, for, forget those guys. Go on, tell us. I, I had to yank it out oh. of my own throat. <laughs> So what, was it Was it quite actually gone down your throat and you had to grab the tail of a cow and pull it out? Oh, that is disgusting. I know. And then, do you know what? The, the waitress came over and said, everything all right with your food? I said, no, not actually. I nearly died on this baguette. And she said, what do you mean? The colour drained from her face. I said, well, they haven't cut the steak up. I nearly, I nearly choked. So she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me go and talk to the chef. She came back. Do you know what she said? Go on. The chef says he's very sorry, but one of his ovens isn't working. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> Cut up steak with an oven, do you? Oh, fantastic. Anyway, I'm not dead. Well, that's... Uh... <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's not funny. Have I been dead? It will, that, well, I think that's a lesson to all. Don't go put putting strange bits of meat in your mouth. <laughs> it's a lesson to all of us. Thank you. Now, what... You're you right. <laughs> What's I'm, going on I'm with joking. You? I'm joking. Now, what's on your show today, Jonathan? Well, coming up on the big phone in today, would it be better for everyone if women made the choice between a career or being a mother? More than a quarter of mothers in the UK feel discriminated against at work. That's according to a new survey of nearly two thousand women conducted by a major law firm. From nine today, I want your views on this. Would it be better for everyone if women made the choice between a career or being a mother? Your calls on 08459 455 555. We'll discuss that this morning from nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The great train robbery. Ray's in Luton. Morning, Ray. Good morning. What on earth are you doing, you muppet? I'll pick something else up instead of the phone. What did you pick up? <laughs> My wife's um, uh, blood sugar meter. Hang on a minute. So you're, you're, you're sat there waiting for me to talk to you. Exactly. You reach for the phone and you pick up your wife's blood sugar meter. All ready to take a sugar level. Oh, blimey. All right. Well, we won't keep you too long then because we, we, it's important that you, you check your wife's blood sugar level. Ray, the great train robbery. Should we be g- g- celebrating it, commemorating it? Uh, well, I don't think so now. It's 50 years ago, isn't it? Yeah. I remember it, though. Uh, um, uh, I was uh, a lorry driver then, and I used to do late buzzard, Lynn Lays, Bletchley, right down to uh, Stanley Stratford. And I used to start off late buzzard, and as they arrested each one, they had to appear at Lynn's Lays Magistrate's Court. Yeah. Because that's where the robbery took place. That's the county where the robbery took place. Then they were remanded to Owlsby Crown Court. And um, I remember all the press there each day, you know, the 
actually I think they'd rented their house or actually bought a house and they all used to be upstairs. Yes. It just, the court used to be right in the middle of the road because there was a, a it's like a V junction. One went to Owsby, one went to Jennington, I think, the other one. And the court was actually right on the point in the middle. And I used to park up and watch everyone go in, you know. It wasn't cordoned off in that in them days. And so you saw them all coming and going, did you? I saw them all being, coming in to be charged and then going away again, you know. Uh, Ray, listen, I, I could talk to you all morning about this, but uh, we, we, we've got to stop there to try and squeeze some more people in. 08459 455 555. Thank you very much. Moving on, because uh, this is a fascinating story. Two years since riots swept through cities across England. At the time, the government said that tough sentences would show there were consequences for disorder. Well, Wayne Collins, 25, a barber from Luton, is now serving an 18-year sentence for his part in the Birmingham disorders. He was imprisoned under the controversial law of joint enterprise. His family and lawyers were shocked by the 18-year conviction and are now appealing against the length of his sentence. Debbie Taylor is Wayne's aunt. She explained to me the effect it's had on him being in prison for two years. His whole character's changed. His perception of the UK justice system's changed. His understanding of what freedom is all about and how just being in the wrong place at the wrong time and also just meeting the wrong person at the wrong time could have such an impact on one's life. Well, Nigel Leskin is the lawyer representing Wayne Collins-Taylor in the High Court. Joins me now. Morning, Nigel. The uh, former chair of the Criminal Bar Association, Paul Mendel QC, said sentences were too long and harsh. Do you agree? Well, in this case, in relation to Wayne, is certainly the case, because I can't comment on others. It is an extremely serious thing to do, to fire... Um, to, to use a firearm in uh, a public, well, anywhere, but in a public place, and then um, in direction of police officers is incredibly serious, and long sentence should be given. But the question is, in Wayne's case, although he was in a group of people where there were other people doing that, he himself was nowhere near the firearm, didn't use the firearm, had no control or possession over it, and was convicted on the basis that because he was in a group of people, his presence may have encouraged or did encourage or could have been thought of as encouraging the other people to use it. But there was no evidence of that. And, and that is the law of, of joint enterprise that, that says, well, if you're, part of, if, if you're part of something, you should be responsible for it. What was Wayne actually convicted of? Wayne was convicted of, 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 of three different offences, and the first, first two... We, not, we, we accept Wayne shouldn't have been hanging around with these people when he realised what was going on. He should have gone off, and he realises he realizes that now in, in, in hindsight. And he was convicted, therefore, of, of riot and arson, within, uh, arson of, the, um, of, of the public house. Again, he, the CCTV clearly shows that he's outside the public house, walking past, watching other people as they are um, attacking it, but he does nothing to attack it himself. The jury found again, that there was a joint enterprise for that. He would, he, he, he would dispute that, but, but the sentence for that was six years imprisonment. Sentence, Shouldn't he have the just... The sentence for the riot was six years imprisonment, but, but for the farm was 18 years. Shouldn't he have just walked away if he was there with he, these people course, doing naughty course, things? Course, he should have just gone, shouldn't he? Of course, of course he should have done. Of course he should have done. He knows that in hindsight now, but at the time he was in an area which he didn't know. He, he didn't know where his car was. He was with someone who, who knew where his car was and he stayed with those people. Um... 
uh, and maybe the, the, the what was going on generally, he, he stayed there because of that. I don't know. But and he knows now that he should have gone. But, but does that mean because you stayed with a group of people, you should get 18 years imprisonment? Oh, no, not at all. But it, it seems to me, if I'm with a group of people I don't know particularly well, and they start setting fire to a pub and shooting uh, coppers, I, I would be out of there. And I think most people would. I'm just bringing that because well, some people might what, question what happens, that. What happens, is, uh, what, what happens is he walks past the pub, walks the pub, um, people start attacking it with the, in the group of people he's in. He's, I would, I would have gone, I'd have gone at that point. Stops and watches for a few seconds, walks off, the group, the group start moving off, run across the road, he thinks they're running away, he runs up there with them, they run back, and then as they're running off, Away from um, uh, away from the area, um, a, a group of police officers arrive, and, and four or five of the group turn around and, and, and start aiming firearms towards or guns towards the police. Wayne is not past those four or five. Wayne is ahead of them, away from them. They're, they're, well, they're behind him. He's run off already, uh, and therefore, therefore, he is running away. He then stays with the group as they run away through the through the estates and off for another twenty minutes or so. But well, there I would suggest is another another mistake of his. That I would suggest that that was perhaps, a, perhaps yeah, another was foolish a, thing to do, to, well, to run off with a group who had just yes, been shooting no, no. at police. And Wayne accepts that, Wayne accepts that entirely, but, but does that make him guilty of the offence of, 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 of possession of a firearm with intent to endanger Oh, no, 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 does it make him Nigel, of- Nigel, you're not listening. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying he has made some very, very poor decisions, including uh, running off with a group of lads who've just shot at coppers, I would uh, say is a very stupid uh, thing uh, to do. Absolutely, and he would... He, accepts that entirely. He, he, he doesn't. He doesn't dispute that. He accepts that. And Good for in him. hindsight, it's easy to say things in hindsight. And, and well, no, it's, 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 it's easy. It's, it's, Common it's, sense it's, as well would yeah. suggest a load of a load of kids, a load of guys have just shot a coppers. Do you know what? Should I run with them or should I run away with them? It and seems obvious to them. run away and with you, them. You stay with them, and you and, and you and you let yourself in for the trouble you let yourself in for, and you expect to get, uh, and, and it's justified that you get yeah. you get convicted of an offence and you get sentenced for it. And and he did. He got sentence for the for the riot whether it should have been violent disorder or riot it doesn't it, it, it's probably splitting legal hairs it may not make much difference um and he's got a sentence of six years imprisonment for that but but that isn't the same as as, as the joint enterprise oh no i would to, agree with that of course firearm, and that, that's what of that's course what this is about that's what we are arguing that that wayne should not be serving 18 years for possession of a firearm which he never possessed which he had no control over which other people in a group we, we didn't know we, we were using on the basis that it could be said that he was encouraging them. And, and that, that's the, where, where the issue is with us. Nigel, I appreciate your time. Uh, we'll be following this story closely. No doubt we'll speak again at some yeah. point. That's uh, uh, Nigel Leskin, the lawyer representing Wayne Collins-Taylor in the High Court. Not, not for one second suggesting that the 18 years is an appropriate uh, prison sentence. Uh, it, it would seem to be incredibly excessive. But uh, it, it would appear that uh, um, uh, Mr Taylor did make some, some rather naive, let's put it that way, shall we, decisions on the night in question. But we'll be certainly keeping an eye on that story as it progresses. 8.30, BBC Three Counties Radio, Travel with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Still big problems on the M25. Anti-clockwise, it remains closed. A lorry fire between Enfield and Potter's Bar earlier this morning. Congestion back to the M11 in Essex. The trap traffic is being released right now. Anyone approaching the closure, you're being sent onto the official diversion, the Hollow Yellow Square, which takes you along the A10, down around the North Circular, then up the A1 to rejoin the M25 at Junction 23. But it is looking very, very slow, particularly on the North Circular Road. 
Lots of people seem to be using their own diversions. Certainly Hartford is very busy at the moment. The A414 congested as you go past the London Road and Cross Lane both ways around there. Clockwise M25, severe delays going into where the closures were through the roadwork section from Junction 23 toward 25. The A10 looking very busy in Chesant down toward the M25. It's also slow then through Enfield. Right up the other end of the A1, it's looking very busy. The Black Cat Roundabout coming down from Eaton Soken. And the A5 in Dunstable is queuing as you go from Ashton Middle School toward the A505. Trains and tubes, though, are actually looking pretty good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. The family of a Luton man convicted for his part in the Birmingham riots say his 18-year sentence is disproportionate. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. And 50 years after the great train robbery at Leadburn near Mentmore, Thames Valley Police are honouring the officers involved. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford MK Dons and Stevenage will be in this lunchtime's Capital One Cup second round draw after wins on Tuesday night. Premier League clubs not involved in European competition enter the League Cup draw today. Watford manager Gianfranco Zola says it's a competition his squad should focus on. They need to take uh, this game seriously because they will give them, these games will give them the opportunity to play and to show themselves uh, in the future. So during, during the season, so it's important. The England and Wales Cricket Board have asked Australian broadcaster Channel 9 for an apology after they accused batsmen of using silicon tape to try to trick the decision review system during the Ashes. Batsman Kevin Peterson yesterday called the suggestions hurtful lies. Meanwhile, there was an extraordinary T20 quarter-final last night as Holders Hampshire beat Lancashire by one run to reach finals day. Michael Carberry scored a century as Hampshire posted 202 for three. Lancashire then needed four off the final ball but could only manage two as they fell just short on 201 for four. After winning Wimbledon last month, Andy Murray made a successful return to competitive tennis with a straight set victory at the Montreal Masters. He beat Marcel Granoyer 6-4, 7-6 and admitted to a few nerves before the match. I was pretty nervous before the match, uh, which was a good sign. I was happy that I was I was nervous because you know, a little bit after the US Open last year, I kind of felt almost no pressure um, in a way and it, it wasn't that easy. I wasn't used to going to matches like that, so it was nice to have the nerves there. But it was it was tricky. It's so windy today, very tough conditions, and all the players have been struggling a bit. So I was just happy to get through it. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Hang on, Kath. Yeah, I'm just I'm just having a row with. Um, uh, uh, have you got anything now? I'm having a row with Kelly Betts. What's Kelly, she doing now? Well, Kelly Betts. We, we, there's a podcast of the show. Okay, right. yep. so it's the best bits of the show. And what I do is every day yep. uh, I write down the bits that I want to be in the podcast, and um, uh, they go in the pod. Give them to Kelly. She puts in the For today, I've written down, oh, literally nothing. But, right. but hang on a second. So I need, I need to explain. So Kelly has just, just during that short bulletin, is, what have you just said to me, Kelly Betts? Say that again. Oh, I've lost Tuesday's So you've notes. lost mm. all of Tuesday's notes. Mm. Right. Kath, can you do something from the news bit? I'm, I'm just going to yeah. give Kelly a, a right roll rollicking. This is quite a good one. Okay, you, you go. Boxbourne Kelly, you are back. was hit by a part of a plane engine from an airliner flying from Heathrow. A report into the incident last December has found it started to break up shortly after takeoff. And then it says Lee Agnew has the details. Obviously, oh, I haven't got that. The boat, I can read that bit. It. Are you all right? 
<laughs> Sorry, Catherine, carry on, ignore the us. The Boeing 777 airliner belonging Stupid. to Royal Brunei Airlines was on its way to Dubai and flying at about 15,000 feet. It was one of a really strong show on Tuesday. With more than 200 bit. passengers on board, noticed a loud rumbling noise and a small amount of vibration. They turned the plane around and it landed safely. I'm glad. <laughs> Experts... <laughs> Sorry, I think it's just one bit. That's Experts it, from the Air Accidents fine. Investigation Branch found that one, if its engines, oh, that if one of its engines, can we just oh. put this in the podcast instead? If one of its engine reverses had broken up and debris was found Not later in Hertfordshire, it was also the fifteenth time it had happened on a Boeing triple seven. I think we're done here, Kath. I, I, we could get something from today. There's nothing from today. Uh, what about this? This is not going to go on the podcast. We'll just make a really good show tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. Go on, be nice to her. I'll get knotted. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're talking about the great train robbery. I don't get it. Do you get it? Do you get it? Really? I don't know why we're so fascinated by it. The heist took place in Buckinghamshire, so there's lots of local connections. Um, but is it glorifying a crime and turning criminals into heroes? Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been asking questions this morning. Justin, where have you been? Good morning, boss. I've got a question for you in just a second, by the way. But oh. um, I have been to, to Brillin Bucks, of course, uh, where the hideout was at Leatherslade Farm. Well, we've got some memories from there. But um, you've also been asking the question today, why are people still so fascinated 50 years Correct. on? Well, I've been putting that question to the people of Luton this morning, and here's what they had to say. Uh, good question. I don't see why myself, Percy speaking. Because the Royal Mail, probably. Probably, probably an embarrassment that they could, could, could live down. Now, sir, you were around on the 8th of August 1963. Uh, you were at work at the time. Why do you think we are still so fascinated by the great train robbery? Well, why do you think we are? I, I think it was the amount of planning that went into it. And, and uh, when we heard the details of it afterwards, and because it's local, I think that's why we, we still remember it. And, I mean... I travel around a lot and I did travel around in my work and even when I was out around that way you always remembered it when you were out around Leighton Buzzard and around the bridges where it took place. Um, whenever you went there you, you always remembered it. And it's a fascination that's probably never going to go away is it? I mean 50 years on everyone's still talking about it we'll still be talking about it in 10 years time 20 I, years time. Yeah, I, I don't think it will go away I mean it, it, as long as there's old people like me around <laughs> We'll remember it. <laughs> I think it's it was almost glamorised, and uh, that's what frustrates me with the film that was out, etc. Um, and it's still very much in the news and, and quite current, I would say. And you're talking about Buster, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you make of Phil Collins in that film, by the way? Um, Phil Collins, he, he was very good in the film, yeah. uh, but should stick to music, I think. Going loco down in Acapulco, if you stay too long. Yes, you'll be going loco down in Acapulco. The magic in there is so strong. You'll be pulling out your head down in, in despair. Oh, the loving on the way Nowhere. Yes, you'll be going loco. <laughs> no, okay. Well, maybe a little bit oh, too. I love that record. Great song. It, it's a great, great soundtrack. It's a Fantastic. great, great song. Great mm. times. Great guys. Mm. But uh, the, the train robbery, I think, is pretty, uh, pretty low. 
Well, I think we're still going to be talking about this in years to come. I was talking to uh, John Mole as well in Brill this week. Now, his cousin actually owns Leatherslade Farm. Sadly, his cousin wouldn't talk to us. People still from right the way across the world, not just this country, but right the way across the world, they still go to that farm to, to have a nose. The building where the robbers were staying, that's been knocked down. It's been knocked down because people still go there to have a look. He thinks that we'll still be talking about this right up to the 100th anniversary. So another 50 years of talk about the great train robbery. You said you had something you wanted to say to me. Yeah, you were talking about the podcast, weren't you, a moment ago? Yes, I was. And um, obviously what's happened with the tape from Tuesday. Very, very successful podcast. Very successful. The tapes from Tuesday have been lost. Well, I'm just thinking here, because um, you're not going to be here for a couple of weeks, are you? That's so correct. I'm standing in for you, so I'm looking forward no. to producing a fantastic no. podcast. No. No? No, no, no. Why? No. Why? Well, for the very simple reason, it's the Ian Lee podcast. Your name is... Justin Dealey. Okay, right. So you cannot, therefore, have my podcast. So for the next two weeks, then, should we not have a breakfast show? Because it's called the Ian Lee Breakfast Show? It's an idea, and I did suggest that to the bosses. We got very, very close to making that a reality. Mm. But unfortunately, contractually, the uh, BBC Three Counties Radio has to output a breakfast show. So, yes, you can do it. Yeah. The, thing, the thing I always say is, you never want someone better than you filling in for you. This well, is that's why, a shame for you, then, isn't well, it? No, this is why Nick Coffer and Roberto should be worried, OK? <laughs> because Nick Coffer has got Tony Blackburn filling mm. in for him, mm. Who, mm. who, despite, um, you know, he, he's, he's 87 years old. Despite that, he He's still one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. Roberto has got James Whale filling in for him in a, yeah. in a, in a little while, who is another fantastic... Well, Me, where are you going here with this? Well, what I'm saying is I've got you. I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. That works. You that sure? Works. I know that you're not paranoid at all? No, that one or two of the Won't idiots... Be listening in on the internet when you're away? One or two of the idiots on Facebook will be celebrating that you're filling in, but most of the people will be um, yeah. mourning Idiots me. with great taste. So, no, I'm not going to let you have a, a, a podcast, Justin. OK. I mean, I was just trying to, to carry on the brand for you, but nope. you know, if you want to be like that, that's fine. I want to be like that, yep. All right, OK. No worries. Cheers, boss. What kind of things have you got planned for the next couple of weeks? Uh, some amazing content that I can't tell you about no. just yet, because no. I don't want to get you worried. Is it Chris Farlow? Is, uh, Chris... It, is it half of Manfred Mann? What's is wrong it, with Chris Farlow? Is, is it Eric Burden? Is it is it um, the, that BG the, the one that's still alive? Mm. Is it is it um, oh, is it is it Alvin Stardust? Hang on a second. Is it... do, do you want to take this back? Good morning, madam. You well? Good morning, sir. I'm very well this morning. Thank I've, you. I've got your breakfast here. Now, do you want this bringing back or not? I'm really looking forward to you filling in, Justin. And I'm a great fan of your Saturday show. And is it is it Chris Farlow you've got this weekend? Uh, Chris Farlow on Friday. I'm standing in for Nick Coffer. And um, on Saturday, we've got uh, Fergal Sharkey oh. picking his favourite musical memories. Uh, Isn't that amazing? Um, I'll certainly be listening to those, Justin. And, and thanks ever so much for saying you'd uh, you'd step in. Pleasure, Ian. Thank you very much. Bye. I think it's nuts. Ah! Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, the uh, telephone number. Um, if you want to give us a call, Justin Dilly will be filling in for me next week. Uh, and uh, if you get confused over who it is filling in for me, you just very simply have to say, "Who is it filling in?" He will reply with this answer: Justin Dilly. There we go. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five on the subject of the great train robbery uh, to celebrate something so terrible is wrong says Lisa the Mrs Biggs drama was glammed up but was interesting as a history lesson uh, and you've been texting as well eight one three double three if the Metonian says if the media drop the word great from the great train robbery then it'll become just another train robbery it was never great. 
It was just a theft. I missed off a few of the newspapers. We got sucked into uh, the Daily Mail. Over 65 drinkers in health alert. Pensioners were warned last night to drink less alcohol or risk severely damaging the health. You don't see drunk old men very often. When I was growing up, you always my, my granddad was always drunk. He wasn't always drunk, don't get the wrong idea. But you quite often see granddads would be drunk. You don't see drunk granddads very often, do you? I miss that. The Express new heat wave to hit Britain. Hottest spell of the year is on the way, say experts. Britain is about to bake in another scorching summer blast with every chance that the hottest day of the year is yet to come. Uh, and there's a picture of the Queen in a hat. Uh, the Sun, Kelly, Dan's sex with six. Raging Kelly Brook hit the roof after learning boyfriend Danny Cipriani Cipriani was cheating with six other women. More interesting uh, to me is Monty's legless before we gate. Uh, so what's happened here? Page 16. This is uh, a cricket player, Monty Panesar, I believe, who got drunk, had a little bit of uh, an argy-bargy with... Uh, oh, I can't see the story in here. I have, I have to, oh, I have to log online, do I? There it is, page nine. Um, he got a little bit drunk, had a little bit of a rumble with some uh, bouncers in a nightclub and then did a wee-wee on their heads. Now, now, is this really the kind of sports star we should be celebrating... What a horrible, horrible man. What a horrible gentleman saying, oh, I'm going to get drunk, I'll have a fight with some bouncers, and then I'm going to do a wee-wee. I'm going to do a wee-wee with them. Um, Monty Panesar grapples with a bouncer moments after urinating on two of them after he was kicked out of their nightclub. Video footage shows six doormen chase the England cricket star into a Brighton pizza parlour um, he's grabbed and he shouts, please, please, let me go. What a disgusting, horrible person. People are phoning in to see if Kelly Betts is OK. Don't speak to her. She has done a massive muff-up. She has muffed up my podcast by losing Tuesday's audio. Don't phone in to see if she's all right. Phone in to see if I'm all right. I'm the one that's been slighted by this. I'm the one that has put a lot of work into jotting down two clips, and she has had the audacity to lose that bit of paper. Don't phone in to see if she's fine. Phone in to see if I'm all right. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 anti-clockwise, still shut for recovery work after the lorry fire earlier this morning. It is closed between junctions 25 and 24, with congestion back into Essex to the M11. It was a fuel tanker that caught fire. The trap traffic's currently being released. There are delays on the diversion route, which is following the hollow yellow square symbol on the road signs along the A10, North Circular Road and the A1. Clockwise M25, severe delays heading into the roadworks as well despite the fact that all lanes have reopened on the clockwise side after it was closed past the scene of the fire. The A10 looking very busy in Chesant coming down toward the M25. Queues then through Enfield as well. The A121 looking busy at Waltham Cross. The A414 very slow through Hartford. It looks like a lot of people are trying to avoid going, getting stuck in the queues down toward the closure, going up the M11 and then through Harlow and Hartford on the A414 instead. In fact, it's starting to get very busy through London Coney and past St Albans toward the M1 as well. If you're using the A1 this morning, Roxton, we've got queues at the Black Cat roundabout coming southbound from Eaton Soken and some delays in Dunstable on the A5. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.46. 
It is uh, Thursday the 8th of August. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The family of a Luton man convicted for his part in the Birmingham riots says his 18-year sentence is disproportionate. Doctors have welcomed the Prime Minister's announcement of extra money to help relieve pressure on struggling accident and emergency departments this winter, but say it's only a short-term solution. In sport, the Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers, has made Luis Suarez train alone as punishment for what the manager sees as total disrespect for the club. Coming up, roadworks. Aren't they fun? No, they're not. Especially not if you live in Dunstable. But first, let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Drop into single figures overnight. Lots of sunshine around across the three counties, though, this morning. Bit of high cloud coming and going at times. And there will be more cloud bubbling up into the afternoon. Could spoil the sunshine for some of us. But do find a sunny spot and it will feel nice and pleasant with temperatures up to 22 or 23 degrees Celsius. Um, possibly just scraping 24, which would be t- uh, 70 in Fahrenheit. Just light winds, so nice and pleasant in the sunshine. We might just catch one or two light showers springing up here and there across the three counties as we head through the course of the afternoon but most places are going to stay dry now overnight tonight the cloud will thicken and eventually we'll see some outbreaks of rain spreading from the west so it could be a bit of a damp start to the day tomorrow a few showers around through the morning a little bit of sunshine into the afternoon and lots of dry weather around over the next few days temperatures into the low 20s saturday is not looking too bad actually for your weekend fun dry and fine by sunday though we're going to see more outbreaks of rain that's the forecast Justin Daly. Justin Daly. Tony Blackburn on BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll be here all this week between 12 and 3 sitting in for Nick Coffer. There'll be the usual mix of local guests, advice and, of course, great music. Tony Blackburn. I want you to enjoy the music and have fun. That's what we're going to do between 12 and 3. Tony Blackburn on BBC Three Counties Radio. In fact, it'll be pop-a-doodle-tastic. Justin Daly. Morning, this is him, BBC Three Counties Radio. Can we just say, if you please call in the show. I want you to call in the show. I love your opinions and getting your, your, your thoughts on what we're talking about. Only call in if you want to come and talk to me on air. Don't call in because you want to see if Kelly Betts is okay or, you know, offer her support or be rude about me. You can be rude about me if you want to come on the air and be rude about me, but um, just don't phone up to say rude things about me behind my back. That's cowardly. A little bit cowardly. I don't like cowards. Don't like cowards. I don't like bullies. So um, we'll stop that. If that's all right. Yeah. Thanks very much. Local businesses say that roadworks in Dunstable have affected uh, badly affected their business. The Pointers Road Repair Works have closed the road for 11 weeks, meaning businesses and houses can't be accessed at all easily. Well, with me now is Viv Innes, who runs the Margaret Innes Hair and Beauty Boutique on Pointers Road. Viv, how has your business been affected? Yeah, good morning, Ian. Yeah, it's had a really huge impact um, on the business. Um, yeah, prior to the works um, commencing, we knew things were going to get difficult. Um, but we were, you know, pretty upset at the onset to be forewarned not to expect any compensation. And, and bearing in mind these roadworks are like 11 weeks. Um, I obviously stated that as a fact that, you know, we were obviously really concerned. Um, anyway, um, they said that basically these, these roadworks are deemed as essential and to everyone's safety, and that, inc- that was including us. So basically we had to lump it, really. Yeah. Well, the, the yeah. road is apparently sinking, so the, these roadworks need to be done. But what would you like to have seen dif- done differently? 
Uh, what in respect of um, how they how they've looked after us? You mean? Yeah. Well, you know, we were promised um, and reassured that you know that it, the business wouldn't be affected too much, but. Um, as everyone will see, that you know the access is practically impossible. I mean, by by week one, we were about thirty uh, percent down, you know, and we we obviously we didn't make any complaints at the time. Um, but by week two, um, you know, things became a lot more inaccessible, and the promise of um, um, support from the road traffic division um, the relations become a bit strained by them because um, obviously. And up till sorry, up till up till now, um, they're not really um, have any, any interest in us at all now. So how bad you know, how bad is business at the moment, Viv? Well, we're about sixty percent down. Wow. You know, we've been established for thirty five years. Never, you know, it's never been like this. Um, obviously, we're you know we're really worried as as the news agent is down the road. He said he's a hundred percent down. So you know, uh, you know, we've got another seven weeks to go, and you know, we we really kind of like really worried we've had customers that have um, we've had promised access for the customers they've said you know they don't have any trouble coming down but you know there's been a, a good few occasions where they've um, not been allowed to get down and uh, obviously these people have um, phoned complaining to the council so yeah are you going to survive the seven weeks do you think that will the business survive do you know what I, I don't know potentially like you know the business could be destroyed and you know, what, what have the council said when you've put this to them? Well, they haven't said a lot to us at all. They've said that we're not, we, we can't have any compensation. And, you know, these, as I said at the onset, that these roadworks are essential to everyone's safety, including ours. Mm. So, you know. And is, it, is the road completely blocked? People, can people get to your shop? Not, well, as I said, on week one, access was possible to... Yeah, and they they have these road marshals um, institute to bring people down. But you know, um, yesterday and the day before, the, you know, even our drive, our drive is you know because they've built trenches at the sides of the road, so you know it's not accessible our drive at all. You know, and I, I would have thought that as a business, um, they would have really sort of like tried to, uh, as they said at the onset, they would you know like sort of like try and cause as least disruption as possible they would have seen to our driveway first but mm. you know ours, ours seems to be the worst one really so well, viv listen i wish you the very best of luck i hope things improve somehow and maybe we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks to see how things are going if that's okay yeah yeah i would just like to if, i wonder if we could just say i'd like to just tell our customers old and new that we are open for business as usual yeah um tuesday to saturday we have um 35 years of experience yeah so come and see us, and it'd be great to have the local support of the community um, during this lengthy, you know, uh, roadworks, you know. Well, Viv, listen, be- very best of luck. We will speak to you soon. Viv Innes uh, runs Margaret Innes Hair and Beauty Boutique on Pointers Road. It's open for business, guys. So go and support the local business. We've been talking about the great train robbery. I don't get it. I don't get the fascination with it. Dave's in Luton. Morning, Dave. I'm not talking about the great train robbery. Sorry? I'm not talking about the grain train, the great, the great, the grain trait robbery. I'm talking about Miss Kelly. What? Miss Kelly. Kelly Betts. Oh, you were so rude to her today. No, no, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she said sorry to you three times. That's irrelevant because she. Hold on. But you, the the man from with the railways, because he wouldn't say sorry. You know, she said sorry. Yes. 
But she, so I would suggest, enough. I would no, suggest, no, David, no, David. Well, you've got four weeks holiday. David, I would suggest that what Kelly has done is worse than what they're doing to the trains in Milton Keynes. They're, no. they're just halving the amount of carriages on their trains. Kelly has lost some clips for my um, potentially award-winning podcast. Shame. It was her birthday this week. So what? Well, you've got to give her respect. What? She's, what? She's, she's working for the BBC, Dave. She's not... It's not all... Oh, I know what, I'm going to dress up as a fairy and bring in donuts for everyone because it's my birthday. She is working for the British Broadcasting Corporation. Well, oh no, but the thing is, she said sorry three times. Sorry's not good enough. Well, what do you want from her? I want her to go back through the, the archives and trawl through the clips and find exactly what she needs. Yes, it might take her six, seven hours. That's tough. Well, if, if Kelly wants a PR, I'll come and help her. What does that even mean? Well, I'll come and support, give her support. You're banned for two weeks. <laughs> well, you're not there. Oh, Justin. Good old boy Justin coming back. Bye. Justin Daly. Yeah, yeah. Why is it ending on a sour note? This is all Kelly Betts's fault. I've, I have done nothing wrong here. She messed up. She messed up. Someone has, someone has just rung in and said, I should get a life. Oh, look at all these keyboard and telephone warriors. It's all very well phoning up and saying it to the staff, then running away. Saying it to people down, low down the production team chain. Come on the air and say it. Come and say it to my face. Yet none of you, none of you will. Listen, this, this, the way this works, OK, the podcast could potentially win me awards. The stuff from Tuesday's show that has been lost is gold, liquid gold. Uh, and I, I think I'm well within my rights to, uh, to get upset. Peter, are you there? Peter? Peter? Hello, hello, Ian. Hello, Peter. The Great Train Robbery. The Great Train Robbery. Very quickly, because uh, time is tight. Yes. Uh, a very good mate of mine when I was an estate manager in Kent... Uh, had the contract with the Ministry of Transport to uh, landscape Stanbridge MOT heavy goods vehicle life um, uh, Waybridge etc etc and uh, going backwards and forwards to Kent uh, every day for a week was a bit of a pain because uh, there was no super motorways etc etc so uh, with just a few hours of work to do and and the daylight vanishing he said to the chaps if I get you a fish and chip somehow and we have a few beers, we'll sleep in the van, finish off tomorrow, get back to Kent sometime, lunchtime, we'll have the rest of the day off. Yes, we'll go for that. Beautiful. However, however, oh. one o'clock in the morning, he's surrounded by all the armed police in the world while sleeping in the van. Out they get, hands up against the van, uh, legs apart. This is uh, uh, the date of 8th of uh, August, of course. Oh, and <laughs> so they were having a kip in the van, and the police thought that they were the great train robbers. Exactly, yeah. How terrifying. And he told me he's never been so afraid in his life having a gun shut up his nose. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I, the, the Peter, thank you. Hands up who's had a gun pointed at them that could potentially have been shot. Me. Hands up who's had a, a shotgun pointed at them that could potentially be shot. Me. Hands up who's had a shotgun pointed at them in a dark alleyway in Pakistan pointed at you by a member of the notoriously corrupt military. Me! Anybody who's had a gun pointed at them. Man, it's... Man, it is scary. 
I'm not. I'm recounting my life experiences, of which I have many. The way I got out of um, having the gun pointed at me, the only Urdu or Hindi I knew were, were swear words. Luckily, by strange coincidence, I was on the front page of a Pakistani newspaper. I know. I was uh, photographed building a model, uh, model shovel to kill Christopher Lee with. The story gets too involved for me to continue here. Maybe at a later date I'll bore you with it. But we're coming up to uh, 8.58. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Justin Daly. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. M25 anti-clockwise. Still severe delays. It's queuing. Two lanes remain closed, but they've managed to get one open because of the lorry fire earlier this morning between Enfield and Potter's Bar. So it was a fuel tanker that caught fire in the roadworks section. A full closure in place. Lane 3 opened about a couple of minutes ago, so there are still long delays back to the M11. Clockwise looking really slow from Junction 22 at London, Coney round to 25 at Enfield as well. Delays in Chesant coming down toward the M25 through the A10. The A10 busy in Enfield too. The A121 in Waltham Cross looking very slow. The A414, lots of people have been using that as an alternate diversion route because the official diversion from the the former closure of the M25 was down into London around the North Circular then back up the A10 but it's looking really really slow on the A414 in Hartford as people have been heading up the M11 and going through Harlow, Hartford and St Albans also got problems on the trains. 20-minute delays, London, Midland and Virgin. Euston to Rugby, a signalling problem. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. That's it, that's your lot. Don't forget, do go and download the podcast from iTunes or from the BBC website. Back tomorrow at six. JVS is up next. From me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. On today's big phone-in, I'm asking, would it be better...